Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. How many now? 16 systems shut down so far. Seemingly random locations. I'm attempting to lock her and the others out of the main... You will not be able to stop her. She knows more about how this all works than, well, anyone. Dr. Halsey. John. What's the plan? The plan? Right now, we are in survival mode, again. Cortana's message has spread across the galaxy. Most sentient AI are siding with her. Against us? Yes. But maybe not you. Tell me, John. What was the last thing she said to you? She said... Goodbye. Hello, hello, Sacred Icon listeners. We are going to bring you a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants episode today because... Uh, Josh and I have been waiting all day for this Inside Infinite update that was supposed to come today, and it finally came out. We waited per- maybe a little bit too early, and it's been a long time coming, but we finally arrived. And so when it dropped, Josh and I said, let's go ahead, let's let's skim through this, let's make some notes, let's go do the podcast. And after 20 minutes of Josh reading last month's Infinite update from January, uh, we realized, you know what? Let's just change the approach. Let's go ahead. Let's go through it systematically, which we usually don't do because we think that's boring. But we're going to go through it. And we're going to just we're going to we're going to read it, and then we're going to talk amongst ourselves about how we feel about what we just read. And I, I feel like what, what we're going to try to offer here for you guys is if you're reading this alone and you really would like to have a couple friends in the room that you can shoot up, you can bounce off each other of what you think about what you just read. Josh and I are going to act as those friends in the room. So we're going to read this, and and that was Josh acting as a, as a Cheo up, from... You sound like a Cheo from Sonic Adventure 2. That's what I was going for. That's, That's great. Exactly what yep. I was going for. Uh, so, Josh, what did you think of last month's update? <laughs> Seemed pretty good, but I, I was pretty sure as I was reading that that I'd read that before. <laughs> so, you know what's funny is, like, here's, here's how we were able to tell Whoops. 20 minutes later. 20 minutes later, I asked Josh, I'm like, okay, how far down are you? Which, which new image are you on? And Josh is like, oh, I'm on the Needler. And I'm like... The needler? I didn't see a needler, and I scan all the images twice. I don't see any needler. And then Josh realizes, oh, this is January. I was like, wait just a minute here. Let me see what's the haps. And then I saw that it was January, and I was like, what the frick, frack, paddywhack? Because it was on the front page. Mm. You got to say something about 343's design on that. They have to fix that. Like, when I go on the main page, as of right now, as of recording this at least, 
and it says the inside infinite i clicked on that and it took me to yeah. the january one yeah you it's have my to go fault, through though. other tabs yeah it's my tab. fault but still hey, I'm like come on the most critical thing i've ever been on 343 through all this podcast is how awful halo waypoint is no that's I not true don't you like did it. not like uh what was the what was the app i'm blanking on now what was the, the, damn the app? app yeah what was the app oh my god for halo yeah what was the app on xbox and everything and you could download it mobile i'm blanking that on the name halo right now. waypoint no, 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 not. It was the second thing that came out. Oh, Halo, Halo Channel? Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halo, oh, Halo Channel. Channel. That's that's like that's a that's whole bad different booty, story. man. <laughs> that's ten leagues under the sea. Um, but yeah, guys. So here's what you can look forward to in this episode. Maybe you're not so much interested in the the stuff that came out on the post because you've already read it. We're going to cover that a lot, but then we're also going to go into after that. We're going to go to our main topic, which is objectivity and subjectivity, and how that plays into our opinions and how that works into Halo. Just kind of go, kind of get into that. We're going to cover a little bit of the Halo show and then kind of wrap things up on, you know, what we're excited for this year. Should be a good, juicy episode. Hope you guys like it. I'm going to start out right now. The feels title good to be back this, doing this stuff. It does feel good, man. It's it, been it's, a while. Josh and I doing our thing. It's been a while since I saw Brian, that was good. Oh, that was actually legit good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what I've been singing all day today? The most two ridiculous songs ever. Uh, the In Santa Claus 2... That stupid woman who sings on Tim's first date. I feel like, like some, some Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. And then the like, second thing I've been singing. Like tell it? me if you know what this is kind from. Scared me a little. Okay. The sec- yeah. The second thing I've been singing all day is. I fell in the pit. You <laughs> fell in the pit. Oh yeah, man. Singing all day from Parks. Jesus. Direct. But anyways, guys, we'll get right into it. The title of this Inside Infinite is Bringing Zeta Halo to Life. So I'm going to read some, then I'm going to ask Josh what he thinks. We're going to converse about it, and we'll move on. Boom. It says, uh, okay, so Justin, I don't know if it's Dinges or Dingus. I'm sorry. It's going to be Dinges. We're going with Dinges. Dinges. Dinges, okay. Hello, my name is Justin, and I am the campaign art lead on Halo Infinite. I've been with 343 Industries for the past 10 years, and during that time, I've had the pleasure of working as a multiplayer map lead on Halo 4 and the campaign lead environment artist on Halo 5. My current role as campaign art lead has me overseeing and managing the artistic world construction of our massive campaign experience. At a high level, my job is to merge our incredible art direction established by our art directors with the overarching design and creative goals established by our design and creative directors to ensure that we make the best experiences for the player. Building worlds within the Halo universe has been an amazing experience thus far, and I'm extremely excited with where we can continue to take our ever-evolving ambition that is Halo Infinite. Okay, guys, upon reading this, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have to skim a little bit more, make this a little more interesting, because there's a lot to read here that's probably going to be a bit boring if I go through it like that. So, no, it's all Josh, good. I'll kind, of, I'll kind of lead us still here. So next next person we got is Troy Mashburn. Um, let's see. It says he's he's sandbox lead since 2017. Uh, we got John Mulkey, uh, world design lead on Halo Infinite. Well, I'll say this real quick. It's dope that Justin went from multiplayer map lead on Halo 4 to campaign lead environment artist on Halo 5. It's quite yeah. great. Yeah, so, that is that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I love the name Mashburn. Makes me want <laughs> to have like crispy mashed potatoes. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Content. Okay. So then we see a big picture of Zeta Halo. Zeta here. Halo. And Dude, have you seen it, those memes recently? Uh, I'm sure you guys. I'm sure some of you guys have seen them, but it's like someone taking like a giant truck on Twitter and then like it has like a screwdriver and it's saying, This is how the Forerunners made the Halo rings. It's so stupid. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's That's so funny, stupid, though. man. It, <laughs> it made you know me what? laugh. Because <laughs> I, you know I felt like when I saw that, I was like, 
that is the meme that speaks to me. My, oh, I did see it. Me as yeah. a casual person, I'm like, that is such a me thing because I don't yeah. grasp all the lore as well. <laughs> well, even when I read the 400 books for the first time, I'm like, I know they're super advanced beings, but do you understand how much work it would take to build these Halo rings in the Ark? They're, they're massive. You know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that like that stuff is there for people who really, really want to dive into it, and then I have the option for it. But I'm also so glad that like I don't miss out. I don't lose out as like more casual story guy yeah. within Halo because I don't know all that stuff. Like it still gives me the sense of mystery. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, take us forward, Brian. Um, okay, so next we have it says when you and your team set out to accomplish their tasks each day, are there any guiding principles? And I thought people might find this interesting. JD says that'd be Justin. I believe that was Justin, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, we'll just go by the initials here. Yeah. JD says, as far as our artistic goals for the campaign goes, we have focused on two key themes, legacy and simplicity. When it comes to the visual experience we are building, for legacy, we really want players to feel like they're experiencing a game that they remember fondly, such as Halo Combat Evolved, but with modernized graphics, of course. Nice. As far as simplicity is concerned, we wanted to ensure that we steer away from the overly noisy designs and details, which is a key takeaway for the team coming off of Halo 5. Mm. They were very self-critical there. What do you think about that, Josh? I wonder what they mean by noisy designs. Do you think the actual, like... Sounds of the weapons? No, I feel like do you a think lot of just people... how expressive they were in terms of the aesthetics. I mean, maybe that's what they mean by noisy, like how sort of. I don't know. Like, I like Halo Four and Five a lot, and you do too. I, I feel like, as I feel like, people have, have said this before that their their noisy designs are overly complicated designs. I feel like when you look at like Halo One, or I mean, the original Halo trilogy, basically, things have a very like they're simple, they're oh, artistic, I, but they're I, simple. Yeah. And Halo Four and Five, it feels very like. Almost no, J.J. Abrams, you know what I mean? You know, I was going to say, for some reason I was reading that in mind with weapons, but this actually doesn't really spe- specify that. So, like, that probably means a lot more toward the, no, the just, armor aesthetics and stuff. Noisy yeah, designs and stuff, and some of that world. was so ridiculous. Yeah, because if you Look, think about, like, Halo 5, dude, there was a lot going on. Like, so many colors, so many, like, different designs, just a lot, where, like, the original Halo trilogy felt very simplistic in its approach. Um, that's true, man. I remember seeing people run around with certain helmets in that, and I just thought, oh my god. Like, how do you even, how do you lore-wise see out of that as a Spartan? There is an Egyptian I, pyramid it, on your head. Yeah, if it's just, I don't know. I, it's it's like the, it's the con of, like, customization is then you get too many options, and some of it just seems a bit too wacky. And the, But you know there's somebody out there who's going to be, like, no matter how, if you have 700 different pieces of, like, armor permutations there's going to be a fan for every different one you took someone's favorite away for sure yeah yeah uh but that's interesting though um i'm glad i'm going to go on here josh well i was just gonna say i think for simplicity it's good get back to basics yeah um and, and i mean kind of even build fans of halo from there that's that's the rough thing for for fans specific fans of halo 4 and 5 ones that came in on halo 4 and 5 ones that that's their favorite it's going to be a little sad for them to see things not as the familiarity well, is going to kind of be gone, but for the the fan base at large, this is primarily where people are at. Well, this is what I'm curious about too: is that are they going with this approach to simplicity? Are they going to try to go for a lot of armor, but have them have a more simple design, or go for more simple designs with much less options, and then additionally roll those out? Like for me personally, I'd be fine if they had like 20, only 20 different armor you know, permutations head to toe speaking yeah. at launch. Like there's still a lot of, like I have a lot of options within those, those 20 options, so to speak. So, I mean, I don't need them to give me too much, but I guess we won't know until we play it. Yeah. But, yeah. I think uh, a halo reach amount 
is a good is a good place to rest. Though I think obviously armor is going to be included, Josh. But I feel like when they're talking about simplicity, they're more. I think they're more really focused on the the world design as a whole. You know, the environments, the the buildings. You're probably that. right. I don't. I like I said when I read that at first, I took it as just weapons for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But I think they that's kind of a broad. Um, continuing on, it says, With Halo Infinite, we wanted to take this new adventure back to its roots and create a visually pleasing experience that doesn't overwhelm with unnecessary complexity, where readability and clear artistic composition prevail. This is our artistic interpretation of a beautiful world to exist within, rather than something that is purely grounded in photorealism. Both goals have been a true challenge to balance, especially against the expectations of what it means to be a next-gen title. Mm. I think that's important, Josh, because like when we saw the the demo, I think the big complaint everybody had was, this doesn't look next-gen. Uh, they're definitely going for that right there, aren't they? Yeah, because that's this is our artistic this, this, interpretation of a beautiful world to exist within, rather than something that is purely grounded in photorealism. Yes. It almost seems like they're trying to still say within that temper your expectations. Well, on one hand, it was you know very clearly marketed last year as an Xbox Series X launch title, so it makes sense for people to want to see something ambitious and new. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just not. I'm not the right person to ask because I don't have super high graphical expectations. In my opinion, where we're at now with games, all games look pretty good to me. Like, I mean, some look way better than others, but like graphics have gotten good enough. I'm not really complaining about graphics anymore. You know, we're you know, I honestly don't I, at this point. I don't think I had an, have an issue with the graphics. Not that I ever really did too much, but I know I was more in that boat than you. I honestly think when I've gone back and seen it, I think the only takeaway I have now is just that it, the world still felt kind of uh, empty and dead. And even though it's kind of supposed to be in a sense, like I think the, the environments, I hope they're a little bit more lush. You know, a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more there in terms of just looking yeah. around, stuff to look at. Well, as we continue reading on, I, def- I saw stuff about, like, the the wildlife that's there. I think that's going to add a lot, because there's no wildlife in Halo Combat Evolved, which is, you know, that's the one everyone points to, is, like, mm-hmm. the big Halo ring experience. Sure. You know. Yeah, uh, go ahead, though. Let's see. Moving on here, I'm going to go to uh, TM says, The campaign experience is the result of many teams coming together to tell the Master Chief's story. At a project-wide level, we use terms like super soldier, story-driven, and spiritual reboot to help describe the experience we want to deliver. These are used like filters to determine if a particular feature belongs in the game. Things like super soldier sound like a no-brainer, but it's used frequently to call out when something isn't supporting the super soldier goal. Story-driven also sounds obvious, but it's a great reminder that we are here to tell chief story and spiritual reboot. More on that below. So, you know, I feel, I feel like already just this this far in the article, we've heard about um, Halo 5's noisy designs. We've heard about looking next-gen enough. We've heard about how this is Master Chief story. It very much seems like they're hitting on all the p- big major points of complaint over the last five, six years, which is, you know, people wanted Halo 5 to be more Master Chief-focused. People saw the demo and wanted it to be more next-gen looking. People didn't like the art style of Halo 5. So yeah. they're very much taking it back to roots here. And, you know, I don't blame them for really, like, fixating on that because you got to imagine after all the years after Halo 5 and all the complaints, they finally unveil this game in July it probably felt so good to finally show off, like, hey, guys, look, you can we tell took it back good. to the roots. Yeah. And everybody just complained about the graphics, which, I mean, as much as the I The one thing like that graphics, was justified was honestly the brutes. I'll give them that. Like the, the facial expressions? Yeah, and stuff. I mean, I get it. it, it it's, it's a work in progress. And I think Alex said it best on Twitter. I'm paraphrasing, but he said that, you know, hey, at least we didn't get a smoke and mirrors thing. You know, we got a yeah. true, genuine work in progress with that. And uh, that's the blessing in disguise there at this point. Yeah. But a couple I things... Mean, I, I, 
Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Well, I, just, all I was going to say is that, you know, despite me not feeling like the graphics are an issue, 343 said several times now that it was an issue. They've said that themselves. So I guess if they say it, it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? fair enough. Uh, a couple things that come off the top of my head when I see this. Uh, when they, I'm, I'm just going to reread this, what you said. Things like Super Soldier sound like a no-brainer, but it's used frequently to call out when something isn't supporting the Super Soldier goal. Instantly, like... It makes me feel like what they're what they're going for there is like they want to make sure these weapons and items and stuff that you can interact with and use make you feel powerful as fuck. Mm-hmm. Story driven. They want to make sure that there's not too much in that world that's taking away from the story and getting you yeah. too lost in it so that you still have that. And then spiritual reboot, I feel like is kind of self-explanatory. Um, I don't like that term uh, just because of how we're the, the, the way entertainment has gone. But uh, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for this game. Can't deny. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll have to save this for another time because it's a whole conversation itself, like we often say. But like the like Josh is right. But on the bingo, the whole, the the whole bingo spiritual card. reboot thing. Because I mean, I just saw that you know they're bringing back Rugrats, they're bringing back Frasier, and it's all these things that they brought back. Fucking <laughs> Frasier of all shows. I know, and it's just like everything you've ever thought. Full House came back. I mean, it just it, it's all everything's coming, coming back, back with Kotor, baby. It's just a matter of time. I feel like at this point. Oh, Give Kotor's me, coming back, man. Kotor's coming back. Um, but anyways... I'm going to we'll, believe that you that believes that, Brian. Take us forward. Uh, we'll move on here. Let's see. Uh, let's see. As Troy stated, we have guideposts we use to ensure the game lives up to being a Halo experience at heart. Beyond that, my team has a number of best practices we use to ensure the design of the spaces and experiences that offer opportunities for various play styles and leverage the sandbox in cool ways. For instance... It is not enough that there are roads connecting various points of interest. We want to make sure there are opportunities for, quote-unquote, sick jumps. You fucking trademark that shit, too. You see the TM there, bro? Yeah, they, yeah, they put trademark. The player can hit when racing along a mongoose with a marine on the back. We make sure, so That just sounds good, Josh, having a marine on the back. like Because we know that marines are going to be there, but we've only seen like chief fighting brutes and stuff, and I just like the thought of having marines around me. Oh, dude, I can't wait. I'm going to try to keep them alive like I do in every game. That's just yeah. going to take me back. Yeah. Yeah. But why is Sick uh, Jumps trademarked? Continue. Don't, don't listen to me. No, we'll, we'll skip on past that. So after that, they, they show an image of a warthog with... Uh, marine in the passenger seat, a marine on the back, and a nice landscape. It looks really yeah, I do, good. Yeah, uh, I do want to say real quick, though, in detail about that stuff is things he says, like, they want to make sure there's opportunities for uh, sick jumps and stuff, and players can hit when racing along the mongoose and stuff. Like, I feel like that's something I think we already expected, but it's nice to hear that they're, like, planning to have the environment sort of curb to your, uh, to your, for op- c- c- sort of foster opportunities for you, you know, you know going off a cliff you know in a warthog or a mongoose like they said and then trying to shoot somebody down below or you know these different opportunities to use the environment to your advantage with the uh, abilities and stuff like that plus when it says sick jumps i'm thinking like if there's clamber and stuff like that i mean reaching a high point and then you know trying to get i mean it's one thing in multiplayer but you don't really ever think of doing that stuff in campaigns for halo so that well, might i mean be if you look back cool. at like if you look, even, uh, you know, Mint, Mint Blitz, many people on Twitter probably know who that is. He's still posting, like, new videos of him doing stuff in Combat Evolved or Halo 2 or 3 that's yeah. crazy. And mm-hmm. you don't really see that in Halo 5. Like, for, for you know, I'm not dissing Halo 5. For all the good things that Halo 5 did with its its uh, its gameplay and its mechanics, it, it kind of didn't really feel like you could do that stuff. I think that's part of why Big Team Battle doesn't feel so great in uh, Halo 5, because it doesn't feel as... Like you could uh, do different jumps and stuff? 
Well, it just doesn't feel like things can can crazy things can naturally happen with the physics in, in, in Halo Five. It feels more like it's streamlined to work a certain way. That's fair. I was gonna say if you're talking in terms of like just uh, like different ways for players to create opportunities that wouldn't be there, almost like yeah. exploits. I mean, that stuff's definitely there. But in terms of uh, yeah, like you're saying, the sort of crazy wild card shit that can happen that usually happens in other Halos. Yeah, it's a bit more. There's a bit more focus to make that less of a possibility in Halo Five. So I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Beautiful screenshot, though. Uh, in this already, uh, Brian said this before we recorded, so credit goes to him first. But even in this screenshot alone, I think it already looks better than what we saw in the E3 demo. Just and these at screenshots this are from PC, but still, you know, I mean, I think Series X is good. I, I think they're going to do their job to make sure Series X looks. Yeah. Like plus, look far. at the Marines in there. We got a Marine in the passenger with the battle rifle, and we got a other Marine on the Warthog turret, and that just looks so pretty. All the flowers and foliage and stuff, and the trees. Oh, oh man, I know you guys are just listening to this, but uh, obviously you'll have seen it. But then it looks like the broken tree stump and stuff. Like, oh. I love shit like that. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could if you drove into a tree, the tree could break or fall over? That'd be cool. It won't happen, you know. But I, don't know. I mean, I remember um, going going like ninety miles an hour in Grand Theft Auto, listening to like Wham, and then crashing into a bush. You know, you can't you can't break the bush. You know what's crazy, Josh? Speaking of Grand Theft Auto, so it just came out that uh, the Halo franchise has sold eighty one million copies, and. That is actually really impressive, really good, but it's insane that the entire Halo franchise has sold less than Grand Theft Auto V. Isn't that insane? That's how big yeah, of a behemoth Grand Theft Auto V is. I, I'm not trying to diss on Grand Theft Auto because I love that series, man, but as someone who wasn't as into five, damn, does it suck because people go so crazy into that online stuff that we, we can't get, even get a, a sequel. We can't even yeah, get a story. Eventually. Um, kind of jumping around a bit, uh, JD says that for artistic inspiration... Uh, they went to their own Pacific Northwest backyard. They wanted to go back to the early, they had an early decision to go back to Halo's roots and recapture the art palette on Zeta, Zeta Halo. We immediately headed out into the mountains, forests, and valleys for not only personal inspiration, but more importantly, lots of photo reference. Uh, as humans, we can imagine that we think a natural biome should look like. We also make lots of guesses, but until you experience it yourself, you'll most likely never be able to fully realize it. So between what he's saying and the pictures we're seeing, very much a a very lush green mountains and trees reminds me of a lot of like Halo Combat Evolved environments. But then what I thought's interesting, as he later says, you can also see the same form of inspiration and process applied to the planet Sanghelios in Halo 5, where in that case we had traveled into the slot canyons of Zion National Park in Utah and gathered both inspiration and photos for the world we hoped to envision. It is a really great method for building new and relatable worlds in the Halo universe. Also, you know... Points out saying Helios, the most loved part of the campaign in Halo 5. Yeah, He's shout out all to the right Helios. He is, he is, man. That was such a great level. I haven't played that in so long. I, I'm the kind of person I never want to go in a game like Halo and just boot up a random mission to play it. I just can't. I gotta if if I'm gonna do that, I'm like, I may as well just start from the beginning and play through. I'm the similar. Whole. And then then you get to the second level and you're like, I'm not feeling this. But yeah, when I'm like, I'm gonna go level. to bed. <laughs> but uh damn that saying Helios level is fire. I'm wondering if there's gonna be any I'm sure there will be, but I'm wondering if there's going to be any places in Halo Infinite that look different from what we've seen. Everything we've seen is this mountain. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know. I love the verticality in Halo 5, and I mean, this does seem it's gonna, like it's going to have different opportunities for how you want to approach combat scenarios in terms of, like, some verticality. But, like, I really hope there's some specific areas that are really hone in on that because Halo 5 was fantastic for that. You know, I think that was the best part of Halo Five, even outside of the multiplayer, which I love. But the verticality made it made everything so much fun. Uh, 
I had so many options on that St. Helios mission, how I wanted to to approach the combat. It makes it so I think the verticality was one of the best uh, things about Yeah, I mean, we know there's clamber in it, you know, but I mean, in this one, I mean. So I think that possibility exists, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so going into what Josh and I were touching on earlier, the spiritual reboot aspect. Um, so next question here on the post is, what does that mean for you from your specific perspectives? Excuse me. And JD says, from an artistic standpoint, it means that we want to both introduce new players and welcome back old players with the iconic Halo imagery the original games were built on. We want players to have that sense of awe and wonder as they step into the world we are building. This goes back to our goals of legacy and simplicity that we constantly use as our lenses to make artistic decisions. As a prime example, we have specifically chosen to begin Chief's journey in Halo Infinite with the Pacific Northwest forest biome on a new Halo ring, a deliberate ode to the past. So the way he words that makes me think like we're going to eventually get to places that look different, like snowy or, you know, more deserty. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he says we're going to begin chief's journey with, you know, on the halo ring. So, I mean, maybe it's not to be taken so literally, but that almost sounds yeah. like story wise, whatever opening cutscene they have is literally going to get us to the point where when we're first in the thrust into the control of chief, we're going to be on Zeta halo, not just like getting to Zeta halo. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no tutorial, no opening mission on like a, Cairo station well, type thing. Well, when we see the pilot and chief land on Zeta Halo in the July demo, we're told that that's not the first mission of the game. Yeah, I didn't get the impression it was. It, it would feel um, weird to for them to be like, take out these AA guns. That's your first mission. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be some typical like space mission like a lot of Halos. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I wouldn't mind if they did that as for a sort of tutorial thing to get your sort of boots on the ground, so to speak. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell how to how much to literally take that. But continue, Brian. JD continues, another good example is how we have taken the visual design of the jackals and grunts back closer to their appearance in Halo 3. I'm sure that'll make people very happy. Yeah. <laughs> and previous titles. We want players to feel a nostalgic familiarity with these designs, like meeting up with an old friend as they experience all that Halo Infinite has to offer. TM continues to say, spiritual reboot is a term we use to describe our approach to introducing new ideas while staying true to what it felt like to play the classic games. Feeling is the key word here because we want to evolve by creating new experiences and new opportunities, but still maintain the original essence. The grapple shot is a great example of adding something new that also supercharges things you are already familiar with, like the clamber or melee. You are familiar with clambering up a double stack of crates, but the obstacles in Infinite are larger and more organic. The grapple shot gives you the same fluid motion as clamber with a much greater range to get to more locations quickly. Also, if you are a fan of using melee, like I am, you are going to love grappling towards enemies to land that powerful knockout blow. Yeah, bro. So satisfying. Mm. I like the sound of that, man. See, that's what I'm saying, man. It's like, I think I think they said it in the last one, and I only know that now because I just reread it. Practice <laughs> recording the show, but uh, uh, they mentioned, you know, they wanted to make sure that these things have a purpose. Like, everything that's in there has a purpose, and I can think of plenty of times. Every Halo game's had a weapon that's not been... Like they could have done without. Even yeah. if I love it, it could have done without. So I at least like the idea that uh, these things are going to have uses, and also they're going to be accessible for casual players coming into the game to sort of learn how to use very quickly, but then also really reward the pro players who have really put a lot of time into the games in ways they can use it to their uh, benefit. I think it's really interesting how bold they have been since the beginning about the grapple shot. Like I feel a lot of com- like that's something that I feel like that you'd be afraid to be confident in because a lot of people are like, uh, grapple shot, another gimmick in Halo. Like that's what it was when it was first shown off. But like 
they're very, very much like on about this grapple shot. And to me, you know, I've said this in the past, but like it kind of a lot of a lot of their like design goals for this game reminds me of Breath of the Wild, which was bringing Zelda back to its roots and and doing things that were familiar, but also new things that were interesting. I mean. Anybody who's played Breath of the Wild will know that that game would not have been the same without your parasail. Para- the parasail in Breath of the Wild, Josh, is just whenever you jump off a large building or, or, or tower or uh, mountain, you can pull out your parasail, which is like a, a cloth blanket that lets mm-hmm. you float down from any and just float across the world. Okay. Um, so it makes traveling a, a completely different thing. So I feel like that's going to be the case in, in, in Halo Infinite, where if you didn't have a grapple shot, it's going to be one of those instances where when we're playing the game, we're going to see some enemies up here on this ledge, and we can get up there right away by grapple shotting, but if they didn't give us the grapple shot, we'd maybe have to like traverse all the way around the mountain and find the path and go up, and that and kind of kill the flow. Provide some different opportunities for accessibility, and plus yeah. even going from, if you're someone who, like Brian, out of respect who marathons the campaign, and then is then going, going to try to enjoy the multiplayer stuff and you don't have as much access to the grapple shot like you always kind of do through Infinite's campaigns, it's going to feel weird. When people in our Discord are like, I just got to the, the AA guns from the demo, and I'm going to be like, the credits are rolling on my game. <laughs> I can't just beat it. <laughs> I'll just turn right through it. I'm like, Brian, did you go see in that Crash Pelican from the demo? Did you see what was in there, bro? You're like, oh, yeah. no. I just beat the yep. game, and I'm already starting yeah, but- over. I'm halfway through on Heroic now, Josh. What are you doing? <laughs> we got to cover this. Yeah. I'm like, Brian, I've been playing multiplayer. But I went in that Crash Pelican, and you know what was there? You're like, don't, 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 tell, don't tell me. John, John will be like, John will be like, did you get that special tactical belt from saving all four legions of our troops and Marines? And I'll be like, no, I let them all die. I just had to I went, continue with the story. I never got the belt. Brian <laughs> 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 uh, says with funny. a smile. Continue, <laughs> a Take gleeful smile. <laughs> yeah, uh, gleeful smile. Very well put. Can you talk some about the process and collaboration that goes into creating Zeta Halo and its experiences? Does the world team create a cool space and then the gameplay designers jump in to layer on the fun, or do the designers spec out the experiences as a blueprint for the world team to go off and build? JD says, uh, it's complex to answer. The world we've created in Halo Infinite is very large with a finite team size to create it all. We must be strategic in how we build each experience. There, There's no one-size-fits-all method for this project. So in some cases makes most sense that the world artist created in the space with the designer following afterwards to place any gameplay aspects on top. Sometimes it's a very tight collaboration between a designer and artist to make the best experience possible. At the end of the day, each experience we create is a collaboration between many disciplines trying to make the best game we can. TM says, I wish I would describe the perfect game... Oh, I wish I could describe the perfect game development formula here, but that just doesn't exist. Making games is an organic process with many constantly changing variables like technology deadlines, budgets, people, and pandemics. Ugh. A uh, typical process starts as a rough art block mesh where design, iterates, or where design iterates until it proves fun to play. There is back and forth between design and art until we decide to lock it down. Unfortunately, due to one reason or another, things rarely go perfectly, apl- uh, perfectly to plan. These situations may call for a redesign, reduction in scope, or cutting a feature altogether. It isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's just part of the game-making process. In the end, great games are made by art and design working together. So, I mean, this is something we've talked about before, we've heard Haruspas talk about a lot before. I mean, there is so many, I think there's like over 700 people now at 343, plus you have people helping from other studios like Creative Assembly, not Creative, I'm sorry, not Creative Assembly, Certain Affinity. Um, we also just learned that uh, Coalition's helping yeah, out a little bit. What? Gears. So, 
having that many people come together with that many different disciplines and like like specialties, everything's going to be a compromise. Like, I mean, it's going to be, you can only imagine them like trying to lay out a gameplay environment and what they initially picture in their head from the inception to completion. It's got to be, look, it's got to be so different. Well, we know from Cyberpunk now that um, they had a, they had a goal and it just kept growing and getting more and more ambitious while trying the game kept kept growing while they were trying to also at the same time simultaneously finish the game. Yeah. And uh you can see all the more here why it's good to have a sort of a a goal. But the people at <laughs> 343 were like were like just taking a huge sigh of relief after they delayed their game. Cyberpunk came out and and showed everyone Dude, that they needed a year. <laughs> I was going to say it's it's a blessing in disguise that Cyberpunk sunk. I I mean I I wanted that game to be everything. And it'll get there, but like the fact that it came out the way it did is gonna. Every other game has been affected. Everything's getting delayed now, and it they're, they're, you can you can kind of see the impact it's had. They're the example of what not to do. Yeah. Yep. Um. This is uh something that uh, um Kilimanjaro, I think you said was the one who mentioned the time the day night cycle. Yes. Moving on, yeah. so we got. Uh, Shout out to what? Kilimanjaro. He says, uh, what's your personal favorite aspect of this world and or the experiences therein? JD says, one of my favorite features in the game is our time of day lighting system. Oh, I think I jumped ahead. I, there is stuff about the day-night cycle. I don't know if that's what he's talking about yet or not. But no. yeah. um, that is Go active ahead. while you're playing the game. This has been one of, if not the largest graphical feature implemented into our engine over the past few years. It allows us to create artistic scenes and settings that have vastly different visual tones and moods depending on which time during the cycle you encounter something. Okay, I'd say this is on topic. So coming across a mysterious foreigner obelisk during the day may feel peaceful and serene, where at night it might feel much more ominous and threatening. It really adds some incredible dynamically driven visual variety throughout the experience where we were not able to have it before. Dude... This excites me because, once again, reminds me so much of Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, Had it could be night, night or day, anywhere, and just completely different vibes, completely different experiences. I mean, dude, Breath of the Wild is an amazing hey, game. I can't. So, I know I can't speak for that because I haven't played it, but what I've seen of it, that looks like a cool feature. The only other thing I can relate to off the top of my head is like Skyrim or some Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. Like, and that does really change up stuff. I've been in certain places in the days. You know, and it's not scary, and I feel like much more of a brave warrior. And then at times at night, it's much more ominous. And then I literally do get jump scares because shit just lunges out at me, yeah, uh, like mud crabs. So yeah. no, what's so creepy? I remember like I don't know if it was Oblivion or Skyrim, but just when you have like you know you're just running around, you think you're alone, and it's like you just randomly hear an NPC be like, "Is that a bit of copper on your shoulder?" And you're like, "Holy shit, what?" Yeah, or like <laughs> the moment you're me? you're randomly running, and then the music's like. Dun, 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 you know, and you're like, oh, oh, no. who the fuck's chasing me right now? Where's that mug crap? Yeah, <laughs> where's that mug crap? I uh, look around. I would look around for people, and I wouldn't find anybody. And then as it got close, I would hear that, and then I'd be like, or oh, just get a mug crap! You wouldn't, you wouldn't see anybody, but suddenly you hear your guy go, no. Oh, yeah. ah. Health goes it's down, like, and I look I down, and it's a mug crab right there. Yeah. And then I clench my butt cheeks and hold on for Ooh. dear life. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome, though. This is awesome. I-, I want you to read a bit more before I really kind of get my thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, so this is something that uh, you know will make uh, late-night gaming very happy. It says uh, TM goes on to say, The World of Infinite presents you with challenges and a box full of toys. How you overcome those challenges is up to you. Up to you. They're very, uh, they're very like hitting over the head the point that this is an open sandbox game. You approach things the way you want to approach them. 
Very cool. That's how it felt in Halo Combat Evolved. I don't know if it always was, because, you know, if you break that level down in Halo in the first game, it, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do, but you felt like it. You know, you felt like there was some freedom there. Um, let's see. JM you know, I'm going to say this. Like, Go ahead. I think I'm getting older to the point where I've seen games advertise things like a sandbox or how you can approach things. is like you have a lot of player agency. And then I realize when I play it, I don't always necessarily use that stuff. Like, I don't need it, you know? Like, mm. I'm just going to say, like, I guess I guess it's cool that this stuff is there. And I'm honestly more excited for this than ever, hey, with a Halo, because it's it's more open. But um, I don't know. Sometimes I literally just, I, I want to just run through them and literally just shoot at their face, you know, until they just fall down. Like, I don't necessarily need to, like, platform over here, throw a fusion coil onto one of them, throw a frag grenade over here, stick the dude, thrust away to my left, and then, you know, clamber up as I'm falling off this cliff and then, like, melee. The, you know what I mean? Like, I... I don't know. Well, what I'm I like about I just what I like about it. this sandbox approach is it's going to allow me to hopefully like grapple shot past side quests and I knew you were going to say this shit. I knew you were going to say and that. It, it, hopefully, it'll allow me to just work my way through the campaign so fast that I can beat it even sooner and get that story and disindulge in that story. Yeah. You know? So I want, I want Erica to take a picture of your face. If somebody else out there is world's first at beating the campaign, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> to be honest, guys, I've never seen anyone beat a campaign faster than Brian. I've never seen anyone peel out of a parking lot faster than Brian. I feel like almost everyone listening will probably hate the kind of gamer I am, but this is the kind of gamer I am, guys. If there is a Marine that is being tortured by a brute, and I can beat the story one minute quicker by letting the Marine die, he's dead. He's gone. <laughs> I am rolling right past him. I want the story. I don't care about the side shit. Yeah, and and. Now, it, to be fair, if we played this in co-op, Brian would play a little bit differently. But I could imagine us playing that scene in co-op, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, okay, I'm hopping off the warthog. I'm gonna go over and save him, and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, and you just drive on forward. Cutscene begins, and we're taken to a different place. And Brian, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't know. Josh, Josh, I'm gonna save this marine. I'm like, let me save you the trouble. I'll run the marine and the brute over. We can keep going. <laughs> now, once I've beat the story and indulged it all, like my second, third, eighth playthrough. I'll do other stuff. Yeah, that, I just got to know credit, the story. To Brian's credit, I mean, that's that's how different we are. Like, he's someone who will play the game. I'll, I'll get out of my core experience, my one single playthrough core experience, what Brian might get out of through with, say, five playthroughs. three. Let's, let's say three playthroughs. Meaning, Brian will just bulldoze through the story, just drone through it, get the content, consume it, and then go back and slowly start to sort of let the rest of the world unfold and take it in. Whereas for me... My core experience is going to be exploring every nook and cranny, but it's going to take me much longer to beat because I'm doing it in all in one go, whereas Brian's going to do it in different chunks. Yeah, I, I value replay. I, I, my Replay value matters a lot to me. It matters. It's one of the most important things in a game for me. Uh, like, for instance, take something like Witcher 3, one of the best games I've ever played. Um, I'd probably give it near a 10 out of 10. Um, it's always going to suffer in my eyes because it doesn't have replay much replay value to me. I might replay it one more time, but replay what value is, is so... What's that? What is it for you that doesn't? Well, I mean, how many times do you think you'll replay Witcher 3, Josh? I mean, it's not a very... It's not a game you're going to, like, go I think it's, through. Well, I was going to say, I, th I mean, for me, it's incredibly replayable. I just don't... Really? I thought just you told huge, me once you're only going to beat it one time. Well, I was going to say, it's, it's just... The only difference is it's just a huge time investment. But in that's terms of mean. like the content yeah. that's there and the, the agency exactly. and the options, it's there it's super replayable. I'm just not gonna want to invest. That yeah, way. let me let me clarify. It's just nothing that Witcher Three did wrong. I just feel like 
for well, at least for Josh and I. You're seeing a huge trying, time sink. It's a huge time sink. So we're not sure. going to. We're really I think not, that's you know, fair. I have replayed the Zelda games and the Halo games dozens upon dozens of times, and that that's that's important to me. So if a game doesn't have you know, uh, if I can't replay a game five plus times, then I'm, you know, it's lost something for me. But that's just a personal thing. That's that's on no one else. Okay, moving on. Um, let's see here. So shows shows a bunch of pictures of the same shot of uh, what I believe is the obelisk. I think that's what that building is called. Um, it shows like the different cycles of day read, and night. I do want to read something else real quick that we okay, skipped go ahead. over. I'll, I'll read this real quick. Um, talking about the sandbox. Uh, JM said, I love the agency we are creating that really doubles down on the premise of delivering on the promise of Combat Evolved. Enemy strongholds can be approached from any direction, and there are so many options available for how you take on the challenges at hand. Do I blaze through the front gate and warthog full of marines and just light the place up with zero subtlety? Yes. Do I scout the perimeter and discover a subterranean entrance that allows me to enter through one of the interior structures? Takes too much time. Do I grapple shot to a sniper tower, take out the inhabitant, and begin picking off enemies from my raised vantage point? There's so many options available that allows everyone to approach the game the way they want and have their own unique experiences. Uh, goes on to say he's excited. Then it, see, that's the thing. I mean, I kind of already said this, but to explore that a little bit more, like I really like that. That's the thing. But at the same time, well, I know I'm going to do it because it's there. But I think uh, I'm just going. It's going to be interesting when this game is a, a year out from being released. Like it's been out a year. People have had time to digest it. I wonder how much people are going to say, oh, I kind of miss the sort of formulaic, linear approach that we had to the combat. Like, we can get creative within sort of, like, what options we had in terms of weaponry and equipment and blah, blah, blah. But now you have this sort of, like, environmental approach kind of inserting itself into the fold of that. Like, Halo 5 kind of had that. Like, if you think of, like, St. Helios, you could Spartan Church through some of the walls and stuff like that. You can go under, you can clamber and all that. So, I mean, it seems like they're just taking that to a I think it, different I think extent. It depends. I think it depends because, once again, I think of Breath of the Wild because I feel like and I feel like most people, even if Breath of the Wild is their favorite in Zelda, I feel like most people agree. Breath of the Wild, the way that the game is made with its open world concept, it's got the best, most interesting world to traverse. It's got amazing gameplay and combat. It's got so much you can do, so much versatility, awesome physics. Mm-hmm. But because of how open it is, the story is a bit more lackluster than normal and the designed dungeons like predetermined designed dungeons leave you wanting more than than usual Zeldas do because everything's designed around you don't know how you don't know how people are going to approach this now the one benefit here i think it's different is that and i think it's maybe covered later in this article that i've already read um is that halo is still going to the story is still going to play out Linear, linear. There's going to be linearity in the story. Like you're not going to be able to do something story related before something else. It's just all the in between time. You're going to get to make up your own way. So that that helps. In Zelda, you can literally do the story stuff in any in any sequence. So it kind of throws it out. So, long story short, I think for some people this approach is going to make it the best Halo ever. I was going to and say for other mean, people it's going to be which to give it more, more credit. Linearity. Like even though I kind of I'm um, kind of arguing against myself, like. When I read this more, it reminds me why I'm excited for that stuff. Because I know that it's not my my problem is is in a lot of those games that have the different approaches. I kind of feel sensory overload. It's like the first time, guys, when I played an open world game, it was Morrowind, and I get to this point. There's this sign. I can go left and I can go right, and I was like, oh shit, I want to consume everything. 
I'm like, which way did I go? So then I actually started to go down the left road a little bit. And then I turned back. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I got to see what's down the right road first. There. Then I go down the right road. And I eventually had to pick a place. But I, it, it, it made me struggle with my obsessive compulsity of like, I want to consume it all in one go. And I can't. Yeah. And I, it, for me now, it's easy. But back then, it was a challenge. So there's the part of me that I guess feels caution at the thought of sensory overload. But Halo, the, you can tell... You can. It seems like I don't think they've confirmed it outright, but it seems like they're going for the compro, uh, the approach of open zones. So like, you're not just going to have access to how you know all of however much they let you explore Zeta Halo as a whole in the game, but like certain sections, you know, you can explore and do stuff in as the story's progressing, and then you maybe unlock more zones. It very much seems like. Let's let's say let's pretend for a moment that Eshram is the final battle of the game. That's a pretty simplistic guess. I would I would assume the place you fight him you can't visit in the beginning. I would exactly. assume that that's exactly. not going that kind of thing. So in that sense that makes me excited because then I feel like in my OCD sense of fashion I'm like okay I can do everything right here the way I want and then when I feel like I've done it all or consumed it all then I can move on and and go on with the See, main story or even then even then if I know that this is you know the main story section I'm getting to this combat encounter then and I see the different options. I'm going to be pretty excited. Then, then about again, that. though, I, I could I could see it being a problem because I watched my wife play through the entirety of Ghost of Tsushima, and after her playing close to 20 hours, I said, "How do you feel about the game's story and characters?" And she's like, "Eh." There, she's like, "There's not much to them. There's not much to the story and characters. I'm more just interested in the world and and, and fighting and stuff. There's not much to it." And I thought, "Wow, okay." I, I kind of thought I heard differently. Well, come to find out, a couple days later. She had spent the whole first 15, 20 hours in the first zone, making sure she did every single thing, every single quest, talking to everyone. So all the major story and character moments hadn't happened yet for her 20 hours in. So hopefully it's different in Halo where you don't you don't feel like if you do everything, you're you're bored or it's monotonous. Well, yeah, it's like what a Dragon Age Inquisition that had the, the hinterlands. Kotaku literally had to publish an article that blew up saying, leave the hinterlands because people yeah. didn't understand and they also didn't want to and i was one of those people so yeah because it, it gets very uninteresting uh, if you don't leave it yeah well it's safe to assume that that halo is gonna halo is gonna approach this from a perspective of quality over quantity mm-hmm. so even though there's gonna be options to how i approach combat encounters i think i'm gonna have a lot of fun with this instead of feeling any sense of sensory overload it's if like i feel it's the biggest halo it's the biggest Halo we've ever known, but at the same time i don't think it's gonna be i don't think they're making a jump from like say Halo 4 in terms of designed to something like Dragon Age. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going like that. I feel like if I can play through the game on Heroic, trying to complete the story and get close to eight hours out of it at the least, that's what will make me happy, which obviously if I get eight hours out of it, I would be very curious to see what the sort of speed run time. Well, what I do is not a speed run. I know we're talking about how fast I go through it, but like I still like, for instance, Halo four, I beat it in one city and still took me like six hours. No, I know that's not, I know that's not a speed run, but I'm just saying like, the shortest amount of time it takes to beat the game is what I'll be curious to hear from people because that's where I really base my uh, my experience on, you know. Yeah, and one thing too, I and Josh will totally agree that we should say is that you know this game is going to be different, so it's it's a new game. Like like I wouldn't want our expectations for the last four other Halo games have done hurt hurt what this one's going to look like. Like. It's a it's a new Halo. Like if it does things differently, that's okay. Like we can go play the old ones. So like I'm so open minded about this. It's just you know with with any game, there's not a single game, even my favorite games of all time, that I can sit here and say, 
that something didn't change for the better or even worse um, after time has, has passed with the game having been out. So I'll be interested to see what factors in this initially seem cool and work and then ultimately maybe kind of drag it down or maybe don't work as much. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Halo 5 for me right now. I'll admit Infinite's looming release helps a lot because for me, I think, you know what? It's kind of cool we have Team Osiris. It's kind of cool we have... Now, of course, if they all die in Infinite or dead, that's kind of going to be funny, but, you know... I don't think I, they I don't will, want but I to hope be. not. I know. No, I don't want them to be. Go what ahead, I'm go saying ahead. is, like, now that we have Infinite coming out, it's easy for me to look back on Halo 5 and all the other Halos and go, okay, Halo 5 gave us all these cool moments with Team Osiris. We have those characters now. I'm, I'm appreciative that we have what Halo 5 gave us because we're able to move forward. So I, that's what Josh is kind of talking about, how, like, in time you like things more. Like, when, when Halo 5 released, I'm like... Man, I waited for Halo 5 and I barely got to play as Master Chief at all. But now I'm like, well, since I'm getting a new Master Chief thing, I can look back at Halo 5 and go, that's really cool that we got all that Osiris. It's in. much easier to enjoy something when you have a much bigger platter to choose from. You're easy to en- you're easy to just take what is there and, and really enjoy it. Because when it's, when it's the only thing on the plate, then it gets much more focus and attention. And then exactly. it comes under much more scrutiny if you don't like it as much or if it's not as fulfilling or satisfying. So. But Brian, we've rambled a lot. Take us forward. Okay, um, so this is going into story, so this will be interesting. Story is going to be coming at the player from every angle, and it's safe to say Zeta Halo is a, is as much a character in Halo Infinite as Chief, the pilot, or Eshram. How does the world and the world team's work support the narrative experience? I think that's so cool they said the world is like a character. I, I love that. I feel like that's how Bethesda games are made, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's a good Katie feeling. says... This is a great point. Zeta Halo is very much a character in and of itself. The landscape, the mysterious structures, the surrounding vistas, and even the wildlife found on it act as unique characteristics of the ring. We want Zeta to feel like a real and living place, regardless of whether the player is present or not. Boom! That's the kind of shit I love to hear. What do I? I feel like I'm a broken record, but I feel like I say this every other like when we've done the Alex stuff. It's so nice to feel like in some of these games, some of these experiences. That the shit's not just waiting for you to get there to kind of start and exist. It's like you get there and you feel like this place has been existing for a long time. It's not just waiting for you. You're not like the main character in the entire universe. This world didn't know of you until you set foot on it. But it Dude, was still very it's much just, having its day and nights. I just pictured like I saved my game and quit and went to bed. And I wake up the next day and I load up my campaign. And like I just see off in the distance like a brute like talking down to a grunt and he's just good they're going through the routines and i'm just not there but they're doing their own thing very cool also this is completely on topic but it'll seem off topic completely on topic though josh is talking about how cool it is when you uh you're, you feel like the game's living when you're not there something all you guys who have played fable 2 will know but anybody listening who hasn't played fable 2 you, you might find this really interesting fable 2 had this really cool concept i thought that i don't feel like anyone ever used ever again where if you bought rental properties in fable 2 when you turned your console off and went to bed, yeah, you, you didn't come back and play the game for a day or two, whatever. The entire time your your console was off, you were still accruing rent from the in-game NPCs that rented Can out you the imagine? properties. I have not beat Fable 2, and I think I still have the save. Can you imagine Woo! getting back on that game and see what my save? <laughs> I'd be your game maxed will out. be corrupted from all the millions. I'd be maxed out. Peter Molyneux would be like, we uh, didn't count that far. You can actually carry that over to Fable 3. And it's beautiful. Um, oh, I miss him. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Most importantly, there's an epic visual story to be told of not only what recently happened to it, referring to uh, Zeta Halo, but also one that implies its mysterious past. Primordium, anyone? 
and what implications it holds for the future. So from an artist perspective, we have had two main goals with bringing Zeta to life. First, to visually show what is happening in current times with the violent occupation of the banished forces and how it has shaped the landscape of the ring. And second, to create mystery and intrigue around Zeta's past and ultimate purpose. Intertwining these two major story characteristics of Zeta has been an awesome and rewarding challenge. Players will not only experience the immediate story of Chief's reawakening to confront the Banished and Cortana, but if they look around, they may find glimpses of the future as well. Find it really interesting they mentioned Cortana, Josh. That's one thing they're not touching on much. I feel like it's going to be a big story element, but at the same time, nobody wants to hear about it because it was one of the worst things about it. Well, I was going to say, I love whenever developers nowadays will say, like, you know, what we're showing you is actually, like, several hours into the game, or this is only, what you've seen is only, like, two hours worth of, you know, a much bigger story or something like that. And they're not saying this necessarily here, but I love the idea of, you know, Cortana being a huge presence, but they've just really kept that under wraps to the point that she's going to be a much bigger presence than we know of, but we kind of have that, even though we're expecting that in a sense, but just since we don't officially have that info, it just makes me more excited because it's like, damn, there could be so much. What I'm hoping for... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh, I interrupted you. Go ahead, man. Well, I was just going to say... There's so many times we try to visualize the story from beginning to end in our heads based off what little information we get, and then therefore the expectations get fostered, and then sometimes disappointment comes in. But I'm really excited to just see where they can go with this because I, I honestly can't in my head see it beginning to end. I've just pictured fighting the banished the whole time, and maybe Cortana's exactly. in there Which somewhere. Which is cool. But yeah, I mean, um, it'll be I'm neat. hoping what they go for, and I feel like it's very much what's been implied by the Shadows of Reach novel is that Cortana is going to be big as in the Cortana conflict, the created, whatever. It's going to be this big, big presence, but it's very much going to be the background of the story. Like, for instance, maybe we'll see that the Banished have constructed some kind of, um, I don't know, structure or something to block Cortana from being able to, to break into their systems or, you know, things, little things that are going to show that this is happening because of this big threat in the world, but we're not going to directly deal with... Cortana and the creative. That's what I would like. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, let's see here. So TM says, The ring definitely has its own story to tell, and the environment artists have done an amazing job bringing this to life. Memories of past battles scars the surface, and evidence of bigger events can be seen in the fractured chunks of the ring floating in the sky. This is something I really care about because I am more of a show-me, don't-tell-me kind of player. So am I. That's awesome. I find that discovering ring things and figuring out things for myself go much further to immerse me in this world. You know, dude, I feel like this is a completely different approach than what they had in Halo 4 and 5. Being someone who loves those games, Halo 4 and 5 felt very show-me more than, or very much um, tell-me than, sh- than just show-me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, with this, it kind of feels like, you know, I like the idea of exploring the ring and being like, okay, I feel like something happened here. I can I can guess what happened here, what kind of battle took place. Yeah. But I don't know. I like that. Yeah. No, I like the sense of mystery with that. I mean, I think that's what's going to be most enjoyable for me exploring Zeta Halo is the sort of desolate maybe structures, um, whatever other mysteries they might have in store, or just like maybe random weapons or like, like the one photo you saw with the guys on the Warthog, um, the, the uh, tree trunk that was there. I mean, all those different sort of things tell a story. Uh, that took place there before you got to that point, you know, before Master Chief walked up to it. So, I mean, I love the idea of that for my theater of the mind. 
Yeah, I, there it is. Put on the bingo cards, guys. <laughs> uh, what's funny here, I think, now, it probably didn't start in Fable 2, but I feel like I remember this originally starting from Fable 2, but I'm probably wrong. But, he, but JM goes on to say, there are missions that will pull you through the golden path of the primary narrative, but more than any previous game, we are breaking down the walls to create a more open play space offering exploration. Break the walls down! You know, the reason, like, okay, so if, if anybody's played Fable 2... fans out there. In Fable, just moving on from that, John. No, just kidding. I, I don't know anything about wrestling. It's Chris Jericho reference. Um, it's cool. Go ahead. Um, no, it's cool. Um, Let's go fuck myself. That's fine. In, fa- <laughs> in Fable 2, the game innately has a golden trail that literally shows you exactly where to walk from every <laughs> yeah, quest point yeah. in the entire game. And the funny thing is, like, one of the things that they advertised for Fable 2 was, like, go off the beaten path. I think even the back of the game case shows your character hopping over a fence and just go off the beaten path. But the golden trail will take you pinpoint right where you need to go so you don't have to ever go off the beaten path. So what he's saying here is if you're the kind of person who wants to just go, you know, through the golden trail, just kind of go right through the narrative, you can, but there's plenty of opportunity to go off and do other things. You know, I was going to say, when you're playing something like Dungeons & Dragons or a tabletop experience, the whole goal of the game master or dungeon master is to sort of describe this world and establish it in a way that makes the players feel like you can go anywhere in this, but you also have the notion of, okay, I got to do this thing. I got this place I got to be. I got this person I got to talk to. So you have that sort of goal, you know, that sort of mission. But then if you want to go talk to this merchant, if you want to go see this other person, it's the, you know, dungeon master's job to sort of create like this personality of this merchant and make it feel like a place that's lived in rather than just like if, if Brian, if you're a player, and I'm describing this land, but I don't do much to give it a sense of personality. And for you, you don't buy into it, and it's not fun. You don't believe it. I'd be like, my character brought lawnmowers or grass or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't I, expect that reply from me, did you? No, no. But but I, think, I can't I wait. I can't wait, guys. One day, I swear we're gonna we're gonna get. I'm gonna get Brian in a I don't know Star Wars or D and D or something in a session, and I well, we're gonna bring, have to if I bring it. Erica along, it'll happen because she wants to play desperately. Yeah, I just but but it, it, it goes a lot to show what they want to do with the approach of this stuff, making this stuff feel like a place that's lived in. That's very important it's, to me. It's funny. Some you said that reminds me of Breath of the Wild once again because you were saying how like you know they want to give you the urgency that there's a reason to continue the story on, but also allow you to go do what you want. What's funny because like when when Breath of the Wild starts, it's like Zelda has been hanging out trying to hold the evil at bay for a hundred years. Go go help her immediately, and then you proceed to spend a hundred hours doing monotonous well, crap. The best example but, but I can what's, go ahead go ahead. I was just say it's funny because in Angry Joe's review, he dressed up as Zelda, like being super pissed at Link because she's like, "I've been here holding evil at bay for a hundred yeah. years, and you were growing tomatoes." Well, I think the important thing, too, like with tabletop, and I think this applies to those games, too, is you need to have kind of repercussions for that. You need to find a way to balance it. Because, like, for example, if I I set you guys on a mission to go talk to this person who's been kidnapping children in the local town, and maybe you decide, I'm going to go at the shop, I'm going to go in the woods and investigate uh, this other thing I've heard about. Maybe for me, story-wise, I'm going to implement when you come back that this person is now missing, whereas he would have been there before. You as the player aren't going to know any better because you didn't. You didn't know what plans I had behind the behind the screen, exactly. so to speak. So, I mean, it's good to it's good to have that in the game. Like, I hope if there's missions in Infinite that feel like they have a sense of urgency that um, they don't create zones that maybe feel too explorable. Because I do wanna I do wanna get moving with that, but I do wanna have the t- the downtime here and there where I can really just stop from the combat, taking the scope of Zeta Halo, and just breathe 
and just Josh, hit me up with the sound of you just got Halo Infinite and you're you're like two hours deep into just dicking around in the game, not doing the main story, and then suddenly in game you hear Jeff Steitzer, the multiplayer voice guy, say, Esherum has captured the hill <laughs> because you took too long. The fuck is this? What the fuck? <laughs> captured the hill? They got multiplayer stuff in here? What? Where's this at? Okay, I'm going to bring up the map, okay? Okay, where's he at? I can't even get there yet. I don't even look, don't even look like I can get there yet. Oh, my God. And then and then you just hear echoes of Eshram saying, uh, I'd like to say it was difficult, but it wasn't. <laughs> now I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> and, then, and Eshram's like, Brian's been at the hill for an hour. Dumbass. Oh man, if they do that kind of shit, we're like, you know how Fable? I think Fable, yeah, Fable, Fable Two, Fable Two did so many good things. Fable Two did this thing, guys, too, where it would, if you, I think, had the option turned on, you could kind of see uh, an icon of where your friends may be in the world. I think, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, if they did something like that on the map, that would be hilarious because Brian would be fucking way off my my map where I can even see where I can even go. Meanwhile, I'm in this like first zone. Oh man, that would bug the crap out of like, me. Like you're just at the beginning, like yeah, the, and you're at the freaking and end of it. You just see me like a ghost image of me teabagging Eshram. Like, I see, I see dead. Brian's icon doing like hop skips, just hopping. Yeah, just teleporting. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Great. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the equipment. Uh, how does the introduction of new equipment and traversal mechanics, like the grapple shot, factor into the creation of this environment, and how does it inform the foundation for encounters within the world? Um, I actually highlighted a spot from this, so this is going to be good. Uh, JD says, Having a tool like the grapple shot definitely challenges us to rethink the way we build our environments because it's such a versatile and fun mechanic that allows players to get nearly anywhere that they can reach. The art team has had the added challenge of ensuring that we do allow for players to get to spots and areas that in previous tiles, titles... We may have prevented them from getting to. The good news is that not only is the gameplay that much more fun because of it, but we can also expect players to get to some really awesome locations and vantage points that will further show off the beauty of the world that we have created. Nice. For me, the grapple shot is an exciting example of a new gameplay feature that provides great wins for both players and devs alike. Wow, that sounds so corporate. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? TM says, this is the part I highlighted, one of our core goals is to provide players with more sandbox opportunities so they can be creative in their approach to problem solving. Equipment like the grapple shot is a great example of creating new and exciting possibilities. Walls, cliffs, and small gaps don't stop Chief any longer, which gave us the opportunity to rethink how encounters are built. This caused some challenges early on because designers couldn't just place the final objective at the far end of a base, assuming players will have to fight their way through. With the grapple shot, players can go wherever they want, whenever they want, from a development standpoint, this is both terrifying and completely liberating at the same time. As a player, I like to figure out the best way to approach a situation, and my best way might be different than yours. The grapple shot helped the team break out of the single path design mindset and evolve into something much more exciting. It's become so second nature that when I play other games, I find that I miss that grapple. I love hearing that last part. That part is really cool because I feel like that right there is what I feel when I'm not playing Halo 5. The maneuverability, the accessibility that's there, the, basically the player agency you have in Halo 5 is like multiplayer or campaign, I miss in other first-person shooters. And when I, when I went to play Doom Eternal, and it had things that were a little similar to that, I was like, this is so nice. This is so great. You know, and not every game needs that, guys, don't get me wrong, but I found that I missed it. 
So that right there makes me feel super excited just to hear that that guy's saying that himself. That's uh, very reassuring. Yeah, it uh, once again reminds me of Breath of the Wild. I'm sounding like a broken record here, but um, because so when when you play Horizon Zero Dawn or when I watched Erica play Ghost of Tsushima, big open world experience. But in both those games, the only places you can climb on, like if you want to climb like a mountain or a hill or whatever, are places that they've predetermined that you are able to climb. Well, in Breath of the Wild, I don't know if you know this, Josh, but you can climb literally anything in, in Breath of the Wild. Climb these I nuts, mean, you, Brian. Boom. <laughs> Oh, you suck, man. <laughs> Could have done without that. Oh, <laughs> uh, what were you saying, though, Brian, about Breath no, of the can, Wild? Tell me you more. Can, you can climb literally anything. I mean, you can you can literally go into a town and just climb the side of someone's house. You can climb a tree. You can climb a mountain. So every place in the entire game, Breath of the Wild, you can climb. So if, if, if Halo Infinite's like that, where, like, within reason, obviously, I mean, but at the same time, kind of not. Like, if you can just grapple shot your way up anything or any ledge or any way around like that's just going to make for so many unique opportunities i i i I think it's gonna be great i i'm personally someone who's excited about the grapple shot because i don't i'm not in that camp of people who get way too caught up on the quote-unquote gimmicks we don't know that the grapple shot's going to be a gimmick but i know you know there's a certain group of people that hated halo reach's equipment i know alex is actually somebody who didn't want to see equipment ever again um and it returned in halo 4 um i'm not saying i prefer i'm not I misspoke, guys. I mean armor abilities. My bad. Alex likes equipment. Josh likes equipment. But he was talking about the uh, armor abilities of Reach and the armor abilities that came back in 4. But I'm the kind of person that I enjoy that stuff, and I'm good without that stuff. I think if I had to choose, it's probably better to leave those crazy armor abilities out. But if we can get equipment more similar to Halo 3, like what this seems to be, I think it's really exciting. I think there will be another Halo game someday down the line, even if it's beyond our time, that probably gives a reason to bring some of that you know back and maybe take another crack at yeah. armor abilities it just depends on the type of game and the type of uh experience they want to uh tell for players you know they want to give for us yeah um moving on more with the grapple shot here jm says the grapple shot is a super fun or super fun in the traversal options it provides but it also allows for pulling weapons to you pulling an explosive fusion coil to you that you can then throw to take out a shade turret or grapple to and launch yourself into an enemy to land a powerful melee attack. Beyond the undeniable fun of the grapple shot, you can carry around another three pieces of equipment with their own unique roles and utility that you can quickly swap between at any time. The combinatoric play, com- I think that's how you say it, combinatoric you play, you can create in this way opens an astounding number of play options, and I cannot wait to see the YouTube videos people share showing off moves we never even imagined when developing them. Now, this is this is the part that I highlighted because I'm like, okay, so at least in campaign, we don't know about multiplayer yet, guys. In campaign, you can have grapple shot plus three other uh, pieces of equipment with their own roles. Um, if you think about it, we've never had that much in our arsenal at once. Like in Halo 3, you couldn't switch between your bubble shield and your radar jammer and whatnot. No. You know, so it's that's, be a that's lot more wild, accessible. dude. You know, even reading this makes me think of some interesting... Uh, things for multiplayer. For example, if someone imagine if Brian and I are fighting one another in amidst you know four before stuff, Brian grabs a fusion coil with that grapple shot, and Brian's already been shot at. He's trying to throw that at an enemy. I see him from afar. I shoot that fusion coil. Bam. Goodbye, Brian. You know, like it could backfire. Like that's you have the risk and reward there picking that up, yep. right? Stuff yep. like that's cool. Um, and things like imagine you going for a power weapon, I can grapple. It I was gonna say, it. imagine it's forty nine, forty nine. I just picked up rocket spawn. We just took that area, and you see me, 
booking it towards somebody. Maybe you got camo. Grapple shot that shit just as I'm waiting for somebody to come up. Out of my hands, you take the shot, get the win, and your whole team loves you. I mean, imagine that accessibility that that's going to provide. Do you think we'll have... I, once again, I'm interrupting you, Josh. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. We're all over. Well, do you the place. think we're gonna have four? Do you think we're gonna have four equipment on us at all times in multiplayer? I feel like no. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, because for There'll one, be pickups, right? I, mean, the gra- I think yeah. the grapple shot is gonna be its own pickup. Whereas in the campaign, I think it's something you just have constantly. Yeah. So no, I mean, I think it's gonna be different. But who knows? I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the only other pieces of equipment we know of so far is just the uh, the drop shield? That's true. Drop shield would be the other one. Yeah, so we know. I guess we know one of the other ones. I forgot about that. They yeah. haven't talked about it anymore. So yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything later. else, right, that they've shown. I could think of. Not to my knowledge. Okay. No. Yeah, it'd be tough because um, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, you want to balance it, but at the same time, you don't want to like overload players with too much in terms of that, yeah. because then it just because then you have like drop shields left and right and whatever else they got planned, which I would imagine a bubble shield. I think be. in multiplayer, it's gonna have to work like Halo Three, right? Because I can't believe they take the response to not liking you know, all these armor abilities is something everyone's running around. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I'm kind of with you. I don't think it's going to be one-for-one working the exact same, but I think it'll work from that formula in a new way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, We then get a picture. It's my private, beautiful picture of all of them they've shown off here. It's Mm -hmm. You see the sniper rifle in first person for the first time uh, looking over at a 400 structure and a warthog in the distance, and it looks... Graphically, it looks like a a big upgrade from the, the demo, I feel. Uh, looks fantastic. Looks absolutely fantastic. And, I mean, if anyone um, is able to bring up this image, I'll say for you, Brian, right now, if you look at the lower right, and there is what looks to, I'm assuming it's a spike grenade and then potentially yeah. a plasma grenade. Above those are little square boxes, and one and the one above the spike grenade says G, and the one above what looks to be the plasma says zero. I don't know what that means. It might not even be a G. I could be misreading that, but just interesting to... Uh, yeah, I'm glad spike grenades are back. I, I wasn't a fan of the Promethean grenades in either either four or five. Oh, I loved it in five, but I understand. It's I better understand. in five. It worked. Yeah. Uh, I love those. I thought they were so great in five, but yeah, four wasn't wasn't the best. And the spike grenades felt so satisfying to stick people with. You'd hear that cling, you know, and oh, man, yeah, they were done. If it happened to you, um, you knew you were done. For right. sure. Uh, graphically, uh, this looks fantastic. I'm even zooming in on the foliage, and it just looks great. I'm looking at the flowers and stuff like that and uh, the trees and oh my gosh this looks so pretty you see you know what this reminds me of too is when i this reminds me of the kind of screenshots i'd see back in the day in like egm game informer gamer yeah. all these types of magazines and i would think like wow this you know i'm gonna live in this world and i'm gonna take it in but really whenever i played it like in this specific scenario i just run right through <laughs> you know like i'm so focused on yeah. the story that you don't take the time to appreciate what gets you excited initially you know. There's something there's something about it too when you get a game like no matter how much you've looked at the game online mm-hmm. beforehand no matter how much you've watched videos seen screenshots when you're actually sitting there playing the game yourself it almost feels like a different thing it does you know? it does it feels like completely different it's almost like you're you can be in the exact same area that you watched in a video and it feels different because you're doing it yourself yep. you know well there's something um, to say about the way they 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 do that in in the presentations that i always love it's the uh yeah. like they did for the anthem game which oof, had some bad news recently but uh yeah. when they were like they're like oh there's a loot cache over here you want to cover me brian and i was like you know someone the other person's like on it you know it's very technical but they do it in a way that makes it feel like oh i'm buying into all this shit well that's a very good segue order. josh because the next question that they ask the team is what impact does co-op have on gameplay experiences across zeta halo real shit and yeah, and um, for all of you who don't know, which is probably none of you listening, there will be 
uh, split screen co-op and just all the typical co-op experiences that you that you expect from Halo that were missing in five. Uh, TM starts by saying campaign is about telling the next great chapter of the Master Chief story and the co-op experience is about playing the story together with your friends. The solo gameplay experience is designed to provide players with options on how they want to tackle situations. These options translate well into co-op by allowing for different play styles. The great thing about being a sandbox game, it means there is no right way to use a particular item or feature. I can't wait to see co-op players doing crazy stuff and combos we didn't even think of. JM goes on to say, As mentioned above, Halo Infinite will be offering some of the most open-ended play experiences in the history of Halo with an enormous sandbox of ingredients to bring to bear. So when you add the idea that we can play together to that matrix of player-choice-driven experiences, the possibilities just explode. Wow, this is going to be pretty cool because, for an example, if you're going to a bridge, if you're sort of at the edge of this cliff, let's say that's leading to a, a, a fortress or something, and there's a bridge there, and it's very a, it's a linear path, let's say, with some obstructions in your way, and you, Brian, have the drop wall, and you drop that down, creating this choke point where they can't really get past oh, yeah. you. You know, then maybe I'm up on a ridge way back at the cliffs behind you with a sniper rifle picking them off to help minimize um, all the risk you're going to have in front of you. I mean, it does create those kind of opportunities in terms of how we're going to approach that stuff. Dude, that's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to play co-op with you. And Me I, too. I was hoping. Me too. I didn't expect they would say it, but I was hoping they'd say who you play as as the second and third floor, whatever. I don't know if there's going to be just, I'm guessing it's going to be just two, but they haven't said if it's going to be three or four co-op, but I'm guessing just two. And I am, I'm okay with two. Well, actually... I'm pretty much okay with anything for who plays a second co-op player, but I don't mind a, a replica of Master Chief. My guess is it'll be your own created Spartan, but I wouldn't mind just a, another Master Chief. I, I never saw I'm that as an issue. I'm completely fine with another Master Chief. I don't need that. If, if I'm... I don't know. Chief is just so... Everybody wants to be Chief. You well, know? I was going to say, I don't... Even when I play in co-op, I never... I, there's some games I'm like, I really want to be player one because I play as this person, but in, in Halo, I'm like, I still get to be Master Chief. I still feel like... When I'm playing as Master Chief as player two... And it gets to a cutscene in Halo 2. I still feel like that's me. You know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, it's a, uh, the next question is, as we look ahead to launch this fall, can't wait, Josh. Can't wait. Can you buddy. give us a sense of what you and your team are focused on over the remaining months? For sure. The art team, like most of the development teams, are quickly wrapping up all of our remaining tasks and polish items as we approach our bug fix and performance stage of the game's production. We'll be spending the final months fixing bugs ranging from floating trees to T-posing enemies, <laughs> as well as ensuring that the game runs smoothly Leave across all platforms. I'm glad that they, they just went ahead and told us those were the problems. That's funny. Yeah. Um, while not the most glamorous phase of development, it's the most technical and crucial to shipping. Can just you can just imagine, Josh? They're talking about you know using these final months to fix bugs ranging from floating trees to T-posing enemies. This game was supposed to come out in November last year, dude. One day we'll learn the story of that, of where they were at. Like, I, I would love to get a specific number progress-wise where they felt like they were at at that point. We should get a documentary about it. Ooh. Give us that making of 343. Make, put, put it in the special edition. Me and Josh will pay whatever. Yeah. We'll pay like $600, but let's not no Ooh, one tell them that. Let's, well, okay. We'll have to split it. We'll have to save up the patron money. <laughs> yeah. There um, you go. Patreon.com slash secret icon. Yeah, right. Is it secret icon or secret icon pod? It's actually say, slash Sacred Icon Podcast. Ooh. Wow, it's glad we mentioned that. I'm so glad uh, we cleared that up, guys. Might want to go there so now just to make sure just it's, it's go right. Ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, it's, it, for, for you guys who don't know, I'm, I'm reading through this sometimes. I can't see Josh's face at the same time I'm reading through it, so sometimes I'm moving on faster than he's ready for. Oh, it's all good, baby. Um, so gonna, I'm just going to read a little bit of what they said as they part, and we move into the next section. Um 
TM says, thanks for asking the questions. I love having the opportunity to reach out to the community and share insights into what we do. It takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to make something this ambitious, but the players are what makes it all worthwhile. It's a privilege to work on such a beloved franchise that I have been a fan of ever since Chief first stepped out of the crowd pod in Halo Combat Evolved. I look forward to sharing more developer stories and ga- gameplay as we head towards release. Um, and then the person asking the questions, I believe it's Unishek, says, thank you so much for all your hard work. Really appreciate you taking this time to answer our questions. Uh, now let's hear from a few more 343ers about the great work they've been doing across the board. It's time, uh, story time with Tales from the Trenches. And in this, <laughs> like next, this. Sec- next, sec- ugh, next section, <laughs> whew, that was a tongue twister for some reason. Um, each month we'll venture into the 343 Industries trenches to hear from members of the team about what excites them, what they're working on, and get more insights into the behind-the-scenes happenings with Halo Infinite's development. These are their stories. So here's some just some <laughs> quotes from the... Yeah, these it's are like, their like a TV show, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Dun dun. Um, these are some quotes from just people working on uh, Halo Infinite. Um, this is from Alex Le Bolacot. I, I can't say his name. I, I Alex. I, nice. I, Sounds I, like someone who would be working on a Assassin's Creed franchise. That's true. Uh, graphics producer says this year I'm most excited to see the efforts of the graphics team come together. My main focus as graphics producer is partnering with engineering leadership to set and prioritize goals, as well as resolving blockers and empowering our engineers to do their best work. I love when Following people the remove blockers. Demo last, what's that, Josh? I love when people remove blockers. Mm. I was talking about that. how much blockers are just I need to be resolved. Means, Josh. <laughs> Um, following the campaign demo last July, the team has been continuously iterating on outstanding graphics and lighting work to deliver a more immersive experience. This additional level of polish required the coordination of multiple disciplines such as graphics, lighting, environments, character sandbox, and more. This team effort is finally coming together, and we are very excited to share some of the results with our community today. In the same spirit, we've been regularly reviewing the Xbox versions of Halo Infinite with our multiple partner teams, and while the work-in-progress images we are presenting today are captured on a PC which we'll dive deeper on in a future blog post, we are committed to deliver a great experience and high level of visual fidelity across all platforms. Um, yeah, so just for the reiteration that they're making the graphics look better since that was such a complaint for the uh, the July demo. Yeah, I mean, that gives me a tiny bit of concern just because it makes it sound like there is going to be a noticeable like difference, even if it's however slight. It's not going to bother me personally as, a, as I mean, a player, but I mean, I feel like they would just kind of show their cards with that kind of thing. A high a high end PC maxed out is gonna look better than a Series X, you know? I mean yeah. I feel like that's just No, you're right. But I feel like I feel like it's safe to assume they're gonna make the Series X look stunning because I mean that's their flagship console. They gotta sell it, you know what I mean? I've no doubt it will look fantastic. And even then I don't you know, I don't need it to, to look amazing. I mean it needs Josh, to look mind, needs to look grounded enough. But. I'm gonna skip to the Joe Staten part at the end here. Sure. Oh, well, one guy says, I'm just going to read this real quick. I'm okay. really excited about how the Forge tool set and workflow is being vetted by our internal 343 devs. Different teams have been using Forge in different capacities, which in turn is providing us valuable feedback to help further improve the Forge slash UGC experience. It's great to see Forge being put through its paces. I know you're all eager to learn more about Forge Infinite, and I promise when that time comes, I won't be quiet about it. Says Michael Shore, Forge lead designer. I mean, if Halo 5 is anything to go off of, the Forge is probably going to be incredible. Because Halo 5 has the best Forge. I mean, you, you, you find your most avid Halo 5 haters, and they talk about how incredible the Forge is. Forge was great in that. I remember a couple of my friends, like, remember Julian um, Julian would sometimes invite me just so I could go explore his his Forge maps and just check them out and stuff. And that was actually pretty cool. I missed that t- I missed that early time in Halo 5 when it felt like everyone was on. I can't wait for that with Infinite. Yeah, I feel like I know, everyone dude, will it's stay gonna be- on. 
And we have our own community now, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what yeah, I mean. It'll so it'll not cool. die this time since it was just like one or two of us or like a handful of us dudes. I feel like everyone had that separately. Now we're all together and now we have people to play this with. Also, as you guys can imagine, like the influx of people we have listening to the podcast and coming into the Discord and writing in when Halo is big is just, it's awesome. I mean, you are... are uh, july demo podcast for the july demo it was like three times the normal listeners you know yeah. when, when things blow up people come in and then when things die down they go out and you have the people like you, you guys those stick around mainstays yeah so love you guys. very cool uh the last image they show before we get into this this part you're all gonna want to listen to even if you already read it because it's just so great joe staten closes out uh just bringing the hype like he does every post but the last image we see here is two banshees flying through the air and you can make out way back in the distance there you can see what looks like a banished ship do you see that josh like yeah man yeah, they should not playing I mean, co-op hell yeah i'm like josh let's let's get in our banshees and go over to that that band you notice the one there. in the the one behind's destroyed a little like in the very back of it it looks yeah, like it's, it's destroyed like, there on the bottom. <laughs> that's probably because, like, you know, we were eating Taco Bell. Oh, man. And you, you, got, Taco Bell. you got too stinky, and I got pissed and kind of shot you if you never get stinky. Man, uh, I'm zooming in on these right now. Holy shit, the detail uh, is fantastic. I'm, I'm, have you zoomed in on this? Yeah, I'm... I'm oh, Holy yeah, I zoomed shit. in. Wow, it, it just adjusts. <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah, dude. Brian, give me an Owen Wilson style. Wow. I don't, I don't think I can do it. Try it. Wow. Okay, that's not bad. I'm just get to work on. No, that's pretty bad. No, I was. Uh, good. Okay, guys, this credit. is the closing statement from Joe Staten. Very hype. Here we go. I'm gonna read well, it all. This is nuts. It, uh, Josh, you can't only do it once, man. I know. You only get one. I had an opportunity uh, earlier, and I was like, I was so mad that I already used it. <laughs> Continue though. <laughs> uh, so this is Joe Staten closing it out here. I'm gonna read the whole thing because it's hype. As you read this month's update and look at the screenshots, you might have the same question I did when I joined the team last fall. What kind of game is Halo Infinite? Infinite's world is incredibly large, and its vast combat zones connect seamlessly to each other. Its vistas are filled with adventures that entice you to stray from the Golden Path story missions. From a distance, it might appear that we are building an open-world game, but that's not really the case. We're making a Halo game, a sandbox shooter, where our goal is to make you feel like the most powerful actor in a rich, emergent sci-fi combat simulation. For example, if you zoom into some of this month's screenshots, you'll catch glimpses of the wildlife that inhabits the ring. Halo Infinite's campaign doesn't have a crafting system, however, and you won't spend time hunting and skinning animals to make better gear for Master Chief. Spartans wear Mjolnir assault armor. They don't need leather boots. <laughs> what you will spend time doing is plummeting from a rocky overlook into a heart of an enemy patrol, eliminating their leader with a well-stuck plasma grenade, using your grapple shot to pull his power weapon off the ground and into your hands, and then empty its magazine into the rest of the patrol, scattering the nearby wildlife back into their burrows. Which is to say, we've designed Halo Infinite so that you're freer than you've ever been to do what Spartan super soldiers do best. Survey a battle space, plan your attack, engage the enemy, deal with whatever surprises the sandbox throws your way, and rearm for the next battle. What's different this time is that you have more freedom than ever before to choose your path through the world. Follow a hidden cave system into a well-guarded fortress, wind your warthog through a fog-filled mountain pass, capture a banshee and fly to a floating ring fragment across a gap of stars, a strong narrative remains at the heart of the Master Chief's adventure, and your journey between story missions is entirely up to you. So then, what kind of game is Halo Infinite? It's the most open and adventure-filled Halo game ever. It's the Halo game we could only dream about making 20 years ago, and we can't wait for you to explore it. Boom. Whew. A couple more months, you know, he's going to be dropping that sizzle every time at the end at this point, either at the opening or at the oh, end, yeah. until we get some gameplay. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
they're smart to, you know, just, I mean, I know Joe Staten's more that he's there for more than just hype, but I mean, he's just, you just hear that name and hey, Halo fans of old just go, Joe, <laughs> like, yeah, like he's dude. a rock star. Yeah. You know, man. we're just, oh yeah. No, they're definitely so using him for that too. That's definitely an intangible ability yeah. he brings to the fold. The, the way he zone. describes the game just makes it. I mean, dude, it just. I, I we, we've talked about not getting overhyped for things and letting our expectations run wild. And I can honestly say I really feel that's not what I'm doing because I I I really have learned. I think we both have really learned how to manage expectations really well. But I I, I feel pretty confident that this is at least on a, and this will segue us too here soon. At least on an objective level, I feel like this game is going to be seen as probably the best since, you know, in, in the last 10 years. It's probably going to be the I mean, I just feel like all the elements are there for what the, the general fan base at large, plus how it's going to go on for 10 years and probably have, you know, I, I feel like the competitive stuff that they haven't really shown much of yet is going to really aim for that Twitch crowd, that Twitch streaming crowd. So I feel like this is going to be a big deal. I mean... If whatever size you feel Halo is right now in popularity, I feel like it's going to be tenfold this once this game comes out. I mean, we've had six years with no. It'll be end up being six years since our last main. Thirsty Halo. for that Halo. But Josh, do you have any? Um, I mean, what's your overall thoughts on this update before we go into our kind of main well, topic in regards to the game? Obviously, this isn't a live service game, but I would love to see Halo Infinite be the first game with the approach of having post-story DLC land its base game content so well and superfluous so that when all that stuff comes, the narrative isn't, Halo Infinite is really good now. Instead, it's, holy shit, this is like amazing, and we got all this other stuff to look forward yeah. to. I really hope... Uh, and I feel like it's going to be that way, but I really, really hope that ends up being the case because as with Cyberpunk for me personally, I was like, man, that hurt. So, and, I, and I've, we've been burnt before with Master Chief Collection, so I don't I'm think... I'm with Josh. Like I, I have no interest in buying a game that will get good eventually. The game needs to come out and be competent from the gate. And that's well, that's not, yeah. you know... No, I was going to say, I mean, with something, like, with something like both Destiny games, I mean, you have the, the benefit of... Those games, for better or worse, and everyone disagrees or agrees. I mean, everyone feels differently, but you know they'll launch a certain way. People may or may not like it, but then the story has become for both of those games that it's really good now, and that's good in the sense that like it shows that however it launches and however people feel about the launch, there's a lot of people that'll stick around and come back and give it a chance and eventually really come to love an experience they wanted to initially at the beginning. So I feel like in the worst case scenario with Halo Infinite, if that happens. People will come around to it, and it'll be a game that people do come to love and really see value in. But, again, I feel optimistic, and I feel really hopeful that they're going to land this from the get-go. I mean, just to, just the idea of having this open Zeta Halo to explore. I mean, like we don't know what kind of story DLC they'll give us in the future and stuff. I mean, they've really, really not talked about that much. But, I mean, I, that could be the most linear stuff in the world, and I would be so wholly content with that because of the experience I got with Infinite. You know, the main story, the base game and stuff. Plus, not even the multiplayer. I mean, they haven't even talked about that. Um, no, I feel really good about I feel really good about this. I mean, they barely drop any info. It's more so like, hey guys, happy to be here and 
I love working here. You know, it's great and everything. And we I don't, mean, you know, we're not going to acknowledge how much of an asshole the fans can be at times. Yeah, but, right. Uh, we're here to talk about this game we love. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm happy about it. Uh, the screenshots are incredibly promising. Uh, the detail when I look at the, the like the banshee zoomed in, uh, some of the foliage is fantastic. Even uh, going as far as a sniper rifle and just seeing the sort of um, depth of, uh, or I'm sorry, the the the. the the, the field depth, depth of field. Um, when you're looking yeah thank you when you're looking at the sniper rifle and you see the warthog in the distance and beyond that what looks to be the forerunner structure and stuff like that that stuff is very exciting the day and night cycle um shout out to you kilimanjaro uh looks fantastic he is extremely excited for dusk and i'm looking at the stars in the screenshot right now and the clouds in the sky that looks beautiful like that looks so beautiful i think there's going to be times when i'm literally just awestruck and i'm gonna have to just stop they and need look a screenshot up. mode right yep yeah i really hope they get a little photo mode in this but even that even if not i'm gonna take photos <laughs> so you know, it looks beautiful maybe this is just a picture they want to paint from the from the uh inside looking out but like I, I very much i get the vibe the vibe i get from halo infinite is that you know when halo 5 launched or and it had all the bad reception and as the years went on, I feel like the team really went back and really dived deep into what makes Halo Halo and really took their time. They re- re- redeveloped this engine, all this stuff. You know, if you look at the the advertisements that came out last year because the game was supposed to launch, if you look at all the things we've heard about the game, if you hear about all the people working on it, how long they've worked on it, how other studios are coming in to help them, and how they got a whole other year to bring this, to, they delayed a whole other year to bring this to fruition, mm-hmm. it seems to me like... Because you know just a metric shit ton of money is going into this thing. But it feels to me like Microsoft very much knows this is Halo's big moment. We've given them the, we're giving them the time, the money. This is just as we're much doing, their moment too. Yeah, I mean, we're doing could, everything we can to make this a success. Like this is, I mean, can you imagine, Josh, and like this isn't to paint doubt. Because I, I don't have doubt really. I, I think this is going to be a, a great game, even if it isn't perfect or even if it's not our favorite i think it's gonna be a great game but can you imagine if halo infinite came out and it was a dud like it was just not that interesting not that great the sales were low people did the player base dropped off like i can't imagine what that would do to halo after halo 5 and then six years of nothing and then and then another dud like and i, I hate to say another dud because me and josh see halo 5 is so much more than that we, we it's, it's tough man anyway, because but. it's going to be a different approach to this we're going in with the mindset of approaching this with the way we've done every other halo game but you know you're going to have so much post content that's not just what we've come to know there's so much the new territory with this game that i think this game will probably deserve a like year in review or like halo infinite one year later review you know that kind of thing um because of that, you know, and it's tough too, because I mean, when you hear things like the coalition coming in to help, that gave me a little sense of doubt because I thought, okay, maybe not, but to me, it sounded good, but go ahead. I want to hear they it. could, but I thought on the opposite end, I thought, man, maybe Microsoft, you know, as a manager is basically saying, we know 343 needs help with this and we need to bring in our other core team, you know, our other exclusive core team, like our left, if you have a left hand and right hand. We're going to bring in our left hand now to go help out the right hand because, man, they really need it, you know. And that's well, just – it's never been something that's were, done. I think that was even being done before Halo 3 released. I'm pretty sure, like, Rare is in the credits for Halo 3. 
If you're right, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's been going for a long that's time. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean doubt. I mean, if anything, that could mean cool. But I mean, you don't bring a you don't bring them in unless you really need help with something. You just imagine like, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. Some like nine year old kid being like, "What? There's going to be band Chainsaw Bayonettas and Marcus Phoenix and Infinite? This is bullshit." <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're nine, I apologize. I you know. You know what I would like to see is some kind of Gears of War inspired design, considering we got uh, some Halo Reach stuff in Gears Five. You know, yeah. I would like to see that, like a like a uh, Clayton Carmine. Uh, yeah, something something closer to that. Yeah, something very cog like head to toe, not necessarily like Marcus Phoenix, but just yeah, very cog like would be. Cool. Uh, Josh, you ready to get into our our topic here? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Cool. Uh, overall, great article was- though. Um, it, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't give us too much to go off on, but it gives us enough and uh, keeps us excited. Getting so. to see more of the campaign. That was just it was very little, but still made yeah, me. My favorite excited. aspect was definitely getting to see the screenshots for yeah. sure. And in, in, in a non so to be not pessimistic, I would say it was worth the wait. I mean, I, there's the part of me could go, oh, I waited all day and it wasn't that much, but at the same yeah, time, I ain't gonna I'm agree like, with that aspect. But I will in terms <laughs> of just waiting all month. You know, it's uh, it's nice to, but, uh, to see. Yeah. Um, so. Kind of the topic we're going to get into next, um, it can apply to anything, but we're, we're going to we're going to focus it a lot on Halo, but we can also dive into some other things here. It's a it's a thing that Josh and I have talked about since we first became friends, and it, it's a it's, it's almost a big a reason peeve. why we connect as friends. It honestly is yeah. a huge foundational point. It's a, it's a pet peeve of ours because whenever we meet someone or, and this isn't a diss on anyone, you know, I'm just saying that whenever we meet somebody who doesn't understand the concept or have never heard of the concept and to, to, to not single out anyone, let me, I'll give you my grandma as an example, but basically the, the point of the topic is going to be objectivity versus subjectivity. And if I say anything that you disagree with Josh, speak up or vice versa. Um, but, and let me clarify before we even go into this conversation, just because Josh or I say something give our objective opinion or our objective stance that doesn't make it factually correct. It just means that we have looked through, we have looked through a different lens to come out with our conclusion. We're as we, far removed from our own bias as possible. As we can be. Yeah. Which just, that doesn't mean that we know for fact that no bias is affecting our opinions because that would be hubris. That would be BS to think that. Yeah. But we try our best to, so subjective is like, Basically, the difference, you know, and I, Josh, I'll let you embellish after I'm done. The difference is a subjective viewpoint is, okay, I think, let's say I said Halo 5 subjectively is the best Halo game. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that statement because subjectively is just saying how I personally feel about my experience with it. If I said Halo 5 is subjectively the best Halo, Halo game, that's great. Like, that's awesome. That means that that person really loved it. I think it's great. And I enjoy it a ton. But if I said Halo 5 is objectively the best Halo game. Now, I'm not going to say that means you're wrong for sure. But if you look at all the the surrounding evidence and and the community at large and everything that uh, influences that game... It's, it'd be pretty crazy to say that it's objectively the best because ob- objective is supposed to be you removing your biases and coming to a con- conclusion based on the facts that you have. And all the facts about Halo 5, uh, and I hate to pick on Halo 5, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the, there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason I'm picking on it because it is the most criticized Halo. To say that it's objectively the best would be insane because the community at large and even just general gamers didn't view that as one of their favorites. It's more most commonly, it's most commonly at the bottom, but it's almost never at the top for someone. So, 
to bring it back and then to give it to Josh, you know, if you said that Halo 5 is your favorite, I think that is great. I think that's awesome. Me and Josh love Halo 5. But it's a very, it's, it's, it's a subjective viewpoint, you know, it's, it's, it's very clear that all the evidence, all the facts make it clear that that is not objectively seen as the the best Halo game. And, you know, to clarify that, you know, just saying saying that something's our objective opinion doesn't make it fact because a lot of people say Halo... I would say a lot of people say Halo 3 is the best. A lot of people say Halo 1 is the best. Mm-hmm. Both of those are pretty... There's a lot of uh, evidence to stand on that statement. I could see either one of those being somebody can objectively arrive at Halo 3 is the best or objectively arrive that Halo 1 is the best. But uh, I don't know. I've kind of rambled on, Josh. No, 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 you're fine. I think you're making good points. That's why I haven't chimed in with anything. So, Uh, yeah, I mean, a good example, guys, uh, going off off Halo is um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You guys have heard me say before, I saw that movie in theaters 11 times as a kid. It is one of the most awful movies ever made that graced the cinematic screen. However, I love it. So subjectively, I love that movie, and I have it's so bad it's good. Objectively, though, it's one of the worst films ever made. So there's a good example of like black and white, right? And Why a lot do you of think people it's sometimes to, to know the difference. John? Yeah, it's important because a lot of people sometimes remove that or don't want to acknowledge that and. We're not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, most people most people just want to talk about why they love something or why they don't love something. Brian and I like to get a little bit more into the intricacies of it because sometimes Brian and I agree, and then other times we disagree, but we, we disagree in a way that like we really want to hear the other opinion and we kind of learn stuff from it. There's so many times Brian has come to me and said, you know, like one example, guys, was when we played Lord of the Rings, War in the North. You probably know where I'm going with this. Um, we get to the scene with Radagast the Brown, and I'm telling Brian, like, I think he's even better in this than he was in the movies. And Brian is like, Brian just could d- did not agree with that because to me, the, the or to him, the movie version is like the definitive version, you know. But after a time, he was like, you know, I didn't want to admit it, but I actually agree with you a lot. Yeah. And there's been other times where, you know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but there's been even more times than myself that Brian has said something that really made me think and changed my mind that I've come around to. So uh, we like to have those discussions because you can learn a lot more from it. And again, not everyone's like that. But with something like Halo, you know, some people will say like Halo 5 is bad. And it's like, well, why is it bad? And they'll say because it sucks. Okay, I mean, can you offer me a little bit more to to, to point why that is? And, And most people don't want to or sometimes they'll spin what they subjectively feel is wrong with the game. What what they didn't enjoy into an objective point of view, and it, and it makes it tough for the discourse. Well, it doesn't help Halo. to make such a broad statement either because, you know, if somebody said Halo 5's Forge is great, a lot of people would agree. If you said Halo 5's multiplayer is great, quite a bit of people would agree. Yeah. If you said Halo 5's story was amazing, you're going to get people riled up because, you know, a lot of people don't feel that Well, way. it's like this. But if someone said Halo Spartan Strike is, in my opinion, objectively the best Halo game ever made, now that's going to make me think in my head, okay, no, but yeah, you're not being objective. I want to hear you out. I want to hear you. Out. I don't want to just shut you down. I'm like stupid. Never going to ask you for your opinion on anything. No merit. I want to hear where you're coming from because yeah. surely you got some kind of perspective to, to get you to that point. So the conversation that can get fostered through that stuff is the most important part, but it seems to not happen a lot. I mean, you would agree with that. People are so yeah, black and like, white I feel, with it. I feel like because it's, it's important to hear people out, but I think it's also really important to, to, to understand the distinction between objective and subjective. Because if this, let's let's use Josh's example. If this guy who said uh, Halo Spartan Assault is the best 
um, Halo game ever objectively. And you say, okay, well, why do you feel that way? And he says, well, I've never enjoyed first-person shooters. I, I can't even, I can't even like move my character correctly because I just, it doesn't work for me. Um, you know, and I've always, I grew up on twin stick shooters. I love twin stick shooters. That's why Halo Spartan Assault is the best Halo to me. Now, he made really great points as to how he arrived at his opinion that he loves that game because he doesn't like first person shooters. He, he, he's a big fan of twin stick shooters. That's exactly what Spartan Assault is. But that's not, that's, that's the antithesis to an objective statement because he just clarified that all the reasons why it's the best is because of his personal biases, his personal in, likes and dislikes is what informed that. So it's completely cool. I think he should shout it from the rooftops that he loves that yeah. game, but it's subjective. Well, good know, example, uh, Endgame, guys, Avengers Endgame. Um, I think each time I've watched it, I give it somewhere around like a 2.5 uh, objectively, critically. You know, is where I'm coming from with that. Subjectively, Which I wouldn't it's like, agree with that, but yeah. you know, and subjectively, I'm like, this is a six out of five. If I could even get it, give it that. This is a ten out of ten. This is an amazing thing. You know, like it's incredible. But I'm looking at it, you know, subjectively. I'm looking at it from the approach of being this massive conclusion to all these movies. You know, whereas objectively, I'm trying to look at it on its own, standing on its own merits. So, I mean, that's a little bit different. But my point within that is. Sometimes I've tried to have conversations with people and they, they just, it doesn't go anywhere. Like one example is I would ask my friend, a mutual friend of ours, we asked years ago, sees Guardians of the Galaxy and we're like, oh, what'd you think, man? Who, how was it? And he was like, oh, it was great. We were like, well, that's awesome. Why was it great though? Like what, what made it? And he's like, it was amazing. You know, why was it, why was it amazing? Because it was amazing. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's not that there's anything wrong with that. We just want to open up more conversation di- options. You know, like yeah. if it's mass effect uh, and it's a dialogue wheel, like we want to, we don't want to just go on, move on with the main plot. We want to get some exposition here and really talk about this. I want to hear these types of things. Um, you know, it really reminds me of, it. reminds me of Jedi fallen order. Um, I really don't like that game that much. I, I beat it. And I just, I didn't really care for the characters. I, I, I sometimes enjoyed myself playing it. Other times was kind of bored, just wanted to get over with. So subjectively, Jedi Fallen Order, it's not that great of a game to me. But I can see the quality it has. I can see the benefits of its single-player story, how it's, the mechanics work, the quality of the game. Jedi Fallen Order is objectively a good game. It's not hard for me to say that because it, it's easy to see. It's the writing is on the wall that it's good. But well, and there's a great thing. I, Let me interrupt you. Per- there's a good thing there. Is like Ryan's saying that, and I completely disagree with him. However, when he says that stuff, now we've had this conversation before, so I know. But when Brian says stuff like that, it makes me incredibly curious to know where he's coming from that makes him not enjoy that experience. So now I want to have a conversation from his perspective. You know, plus not, you're not bothered by me saying I didn't like it because yeah. I told you objectively it's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's sort of like it's a it's a bit of a cushion there, you know. So yeah, and, it, and it, but then you know, once again, take another perspective. You know, I would also hate for people to walk away from from this section of the podcast and be like, oh well, if somebody says me tells me something's objectively good, then that's that's that. That's the book's open and closed. No, it's not because. And Josh, I want to I want to decipher this with you here because I feel like what I'm about to say, I think we're in agreement, but I might word it in a way you don't like. So, but I mean, I don't want to say this. Okay, so like, if I say something is objectively good, and I've I've tried to make that opinion by 
using facts and evidence and, and trying to leave my biases and feelings out of it. In one sense, it's still an opinion of mine because it's still my objective viewpoint of it. But it's informed by things that are less biased than normal. So, you know, if I say, I, if I say you know, this thing's objectively good, someone can say, well, that's just your opinion. They're not wrong. But I think, and it also depends on how much credibility you have for the person, how much respect you have for the person. But I think if somebody understands the difference between objectivity and subjectivity, if they make a statement that something's objectively good, I, I, think, it's, I think it's worth giving them the benefit of the doubt and, and trying to decipher why they feel that way. Because it, it's, you know, the person's claiming by saying objective, they're claiming that they've done some, some deeper introspection. They've 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 taken their feelings out of the equation. So you, I, I'd love, I'm interested to hear why someone's arrived at that. But at the end of the day, you still don't have to take their opinion as law. It doesn't mean they're correct. But I, I think people who truly understand the difference between objectivity and subjectivity are able to to agree with that a lot more often. You know. No, I definitely agree pretty much with what you said. I mean, I know the reason you bring that up is because. I've, you know, I've heard before guys that people will try to spin objectivity as it's still coming from your own sense of subjectivity. And I don't think they're wholly wrong with that, but I, I'm telling you, like, you can't sit here and tell me that that stuff is not two different entities. When I literally tell you like Mortal Kombat is one of, you know, Annihilation is one of the worst films ever made objectively, but I love it 10 out of 10 subjectively. There's a clear distinction there where I'm separating my own bias enough to say, yes, I love this movie, but I can admit it's bad, Yeah, you know, and people, I mean, there is objectivity in that because I don't, I don't need to say that that is bad. I don't need to say that, like I can say objectively, Halo 5 is a good game. Someone may say, why? And then I can get into it and I can say, because this, this, and this. But some people might think, you know, like subjectively, I can say, you know, I would say I would say this, for example, subjectively, Halo 5 is a great game. I love it. But objectively, it's it's it teeters around that average to good, I think, you know, and I, I uh, agree with that. Yeah. So I think it will go finish first. Yeah. No, no, you're all right. What's up? Well, I just I think it, that's another thing I'd like to, you know, that you kind of brought up now. It's like sometimes you'll see on like the Sacred Icon Twitter will say like Halo 5 is a good game. We won't, you know, we're not using the word objective or anything like that, but let's say Halo 5 is a good game. People, some people agree, some people come in there and be like, are you insane? Story was shit. Well, things are more nuanced than that. Like, do I genuinely, my personal opinion, I think Josh agrees, it sounds like Josh agrees. I think Halo 5 is objectively, it's, it's, a, it's a good game. I think it's a little above average. I think it's a, I think it's a solid good game. But if I say Halo 5 is objectively a good game, doesn't mean I thought the story was good. I think objectively the story is pretty bad. I think Halo 5 has a pretty bad story objectively. Um, but that's just one piece of the experience. The overall experience is a, is a very complete package, and I think it's objectively a, a good thing. You know, Once reason, again, you don't have to agree with me, but... The reason why this stuff is cool, guys, I mean, if you can find the right people to have these conversations with, is that it opens those dialogue options. I mean, it just... It's so... When you, when someone's like this is subjectively ass, this is terrible, then you sort of all you do is talk about why it's terrible, and then it then the more you do that, the more it just you're sort of living in this toxic frame of mind. Or if it's positive, then you're almost creating a sense of toxic positivity by being too positive to the point where you can't even acknowledge the flaws you don't want to, and you have that you have that um, two different you have those two different spears sometimes, and it's great to it's okay to say 
to, to focus on the positives, but still acknowledge the negatives. It's okay to focus on the negatives and still acknowledge the positives. I mean, yeah. it, it's important. And I mean, the reason why we like doing it, guys, with stuff like Halo, for example, even before we recorded the podcast, I mean, the objectivity versus subjectivity is something that kind of got us to this point because we would just sit there and play these games and wax over why the multiplayer was good, why it wasn't, and why we felt this was objectively great and why we felt like why subjectively it's like this just doesn't work for us personally. You know, like Brian can probably say, you know, subjectively, Halo 3's equipment just doesn't do anything for him. You know, maybe he feels that way objectively and you can chime in. But I mean, subjectively, Brian would say that. Whereas for me, subjectively, I loved it. But now let's I talk would, about it. Perfect example, because I, I think I think objectively, the Halo 3's equipment's good, a good thing. But personally, subjectively, I don't, you know, I don't really enjoy it too much. I was going to say, too, Josh okay, well, Let me I, ask you this, just for a good example, Brian. Go ahead. Why would you say it's objectively good? And why would you, why do you feel it's, you don't subjectively enjoy it? I would say it's objectively good because it adds another element to the sandbox that doesn't harm the gameplay, but also enhances it. It gives it gives more options, more more things can happen, and equipment is designed to affect both sides equally, so that it's it's more even and more balanced. Um, where subjectively, you know, let's take in Halo Three for example, the way the equipment was done felt very lackluster to me. You know, uh, you know, you see the trailer with Chief, you know, getting on his knees to put the bubble shield down, and then yeah. it just kind of flops out in the game. Yeah. Or you know, when I used the radar jammer, it didn't really excite me. When I used the the light flare thing, it didn't really excite me. So when I played, when I played Halo Reach, I really enjoyed the armor abilities. Like I thought they were great subjectively. I thought they were really great because I'm like, this is an actual jetpack that lets me fly. This is actual sprinting that lets me sprint. Armor lock actually helps me not die. Like subjectively i was having a lot of fun i think most people if you thought about it could agree that the 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 graphics and the animations of the armor abilities a lot more thought and detail was like a lot more detail and effort was put into bringing those armor abilities to to life than the equipment so in a very subjective way i enjoyed the armor abilities more but objectively when you look at halo as this competitive evenly balanced multiplayer game the armor abilities just don't work like the equipment do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the example Josh wanted to get is, like, I was able to explain why I felt this way and why it was good and why it was bad, and I think you can really respect that, even if you walk away disagreeing, even though, even if, let's say Josh was on the other hand and he was like, I hate Halo 3's equipment. Maybe he walks away still disagreeing, but you can really respect my opinion. I was going to say that really creates that option there. The fact that Brian will, can say objectively, like, he's kind of like, Sorry if this sounds like electric guys. It's just we, we you wouldn't believe how many times we we experience this. We, we do this when we're not recording. Lives. Yes, <laughs> but like the fact that Brian is able to sort of get on some sense of my level of why I even enjoy it subjectively, it makes me want to entertain all the more why he doesn't like it subjectively. And suddenly I want to like talk um, empathetically with why. You know, I might say like, yeah, you know what, those trip mines did kind of sometimes they they kind of backfired on me more than they actually kind of worked. But when they worked, they were good. And he, my, Brian, might be like. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know. It, it helps you seem less crazy, too, because listen to this, guys. You guys are Middle Earth fans out there. For me and Josh, subjectively, I feel like we sound like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Traeger from, uh, <laughs> I have literally. Yeah, literally. This game. I'm really tired. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, on a subjective level, Josh and I, we like the Hobbit trilogy just as much as the Lord of the Rings trilogy. All six of them are just dope. We love them. They're great. 
Yeah, we it's do. all one big package of awesome. Boy, am I having a great time uh, with that Renaissance right now. And I, so great. Yeah, we love, love them all. Love them. Battle of Five Armies, put it next to Return of the King. We love them. We just love them all. They're all great. But objectively, they're nowhere near as good as the Lord no, of the Rings. They have plenty of problems. They're bloated. Lots of CG issues. Too much, you know, bloom or, or whatever, we, you know, color saturation. We could go on all day. So, But that's what makes like it for, fun. That's what yeah. makes it fun. I feel like for you, for those listening, there's at least some of you, if not a lot of you listening, who go, man, I hated the Hobbit trilogy. Or, man, the Hobbit trilogy is disappointing. Lord of the Rings trilogy is one of the best trilogies ever. It should be pretty easy for you now, I would think. I'm not putting words in your mouth, dear listener. But I would think it'd be pretty easier for you now to go, okay, I don't mind at all that Josh and Brian like the Hobbit just as much as Lord of the Rings. Because they've clarified that they know those movies had problems and they're not as good. On an objective level. And just knowing that Brian and Josh can be level-headed with that makes me love it all the more that they love all six of them. Because you can, you can respect it more, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. You, I mean, I've dealt with people yeah. saying the Star Wars prequels uh, sucked. And then I Brian deals with that with the Star Wars sequels. And, and other things, too. Other facets. But um, when you're used to hearing that stuff for so long, uh, it kind of makes you uh, enjoy all the more when you can talk with people who uh, don't just have that absolute opinion right i mean we kind of we had a blog post about that a long time ago we're just talking about how bad that can be with these things in particular regards to halo because if you know that's the biggest thing guys um it's the most relevant thing to this is something like twitter you know where people go on there with a hot take and you know you have a limited amount of characters you can only say a certain amount so you're going to want to say your opinion you know, you don't want to waste those characters on yeah. what you objectively feel. You don't want to waste those characters talking about what you feel like this will, um, how, how everyone will react to this collectively. You want to get out your own opinion. But here's the thing, man. You know, when you look at stuff like that, guys, everyone on the internet, it, it causes this sense of discord because everyone has a profile. Everyone has a different picture. Everyone has a different character in the game. Everyone wants to have their own sense of identity and have their own stamp on things drawing attention to them and curating all this different stuff themselves. But in that sense, we lose a sense of community within that. So it's really tough because of it, you know, and you, you just want to get your own opinion out. You want your opinion to kind of carry weight and stuff with people. Even if you don't, I mean, it still means a lot when people I just respect it. So it's I mean, good to, it's good to have, it's tough with something like Twitter, but with something like Halo, for example, with all this stuff, like with the delay, I mean, it's really good to to really be tactful with how you you approach your feelings on certain things because you can't really be as broad there as you can be in person, like with Brian and I. There's sometimes Brian and I will sit there and ask one another about a tweet. We'll have a debate just over a tweet, and I haven't even talked to him in person about it. But when he talks to me or I talk to him, we get much better understanding than we do just out of the way the tweet was worded and stuff like that. So it's well, I, it's stuff. Go ahead, chime in, Brian. I think I think it's you know I, I think maybe maybe you don't care about Josh and I's opinion, which is totally respect you know, totally respect that. But like, there's probably somebody out there you do care about their opinion. And the thing is, and this is I'm kind of tying this in too. The one thing I said to Josh the other day is like I'm so sick of people using the term masterpiece because the the, the term the word has been used so much on Twitter that it no longer has any meaning. Masterpiece used to mean this is something so exceptional, so. Top of it's it's top of its class in the A class. It's S tier plus. It's amazing, you know. But it's been so overused. Well, you know, if you go out there and say something, if you I mean, it doesn't have to be Twitter. It can just be in person. But if you go out there and say, 
you know, Attack of the Clones is the is a masterpiece. And you get a thousand likes or you get everyone in your class at school or your room at work to go, dude, you're totally right. That movie rules. Like you may get a lot of like you get a lot of people to agree with you, but that's, you're really just getting the people to agree with you to prop you up. You know, like so it's just like when uh, let's say let's say we read this uh, this new infinite update and let's say Josh goes and says on Twitter, you know, I really love everything I read. But I'm just not feeling the ability to hold four four equipment items at once. I'll I'll wait till it comes out and see how I feel. But I'm just not feeling four guys, equipment at once. And then I go on there and I go four equipment at once. This is bullshit. Do they not even know how to design a Halo game? Guarantee you, any three four three. No, ch- chances are they're not even looking at either of us anyways. But any three four three dev who reads what I put, mm-hmm. they're not even going to finish the sentence. They're going to say this is a a whiny man baby. <laughs> Who who is not being uh, they're not uh, being critically responsive in sure. their the way they're being positive and then you got Josh in the hand that go okay the guy read it he likes a lot of it he offered constructive criticism that he doesn't like the idea of four equipment at once but he's gonna wait to see more he was kind about it they're gonna they're gonna actually take what Josh says and it's gonna they're gonna have more respect for hold it, it might actually merit. have some yeah. merit. When I'm when I'm running the Sacred Icon account and I and I see somebody say something horrific in the comments, like, you know, uh, people who like Halo Five should die, I won't even read it. I'll see that they're acting so ridiculous at the beginning, yeah, and I will just completely stop. Um, but if somebody's saying something like, you know, I didn't really like Halo Five, but I see why other people did, get so much more respect out of me. It just shows that you have some nuance to the conversation, you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, guys, I. Anakin Skywalker is my favorite Star Wars character, right? You know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I had yeah, this one time where somebody on my like timeline, it, it was some post that someone had liked, so it wasn't someone I actually followed, had said something like, Star Wars really went and gave us one of the best characters in Anakin Skywalker. And I thought, okay, I want to like this, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to retweet it even because it's such a hot take. You know, like... Is he subjectively like to me one of the best characters? Sure, I think he's got a great story. Objectively, I don't know, but like, why? Why do we have to to make these takes? I saw one earlier today that was like WandaVision versus Mandalorian, which is the better show. I'm like, okay, sometimes it's fun to entertain that stuff, but these are two. Like, different... I would say that to you privately. I probably yeah, like and I don't but... like. I said I don't mind. I don't mind talking about that stuff. But at the same but it's time, just like, why do we have to make a negative thing? Exactly. Why do we have to make a competition between the things? Why can't we just enjoy them? They're, two They're both different, awesome. Two different things from two different universes, two different mediums. It's like, come on, guys. Come on. Do we really need to have these absolute like opinions, these hot takes, and these sort of combative um, conversations to, to foster? I mean, it's just it, Twitter sucks with that kind of shit, but it's important to know that like people aren't always like as crazy as they seem on the internet. I mean, I think... Go ahead. I think it makes us better people when we really like break down if something's objective or subjective or not. Because, like, I remember when Endgame came out, I gave Endgame a five out of five stars. Yeah. And I think Josh, gave, I don't know, if you get, did you give it a two point five? I think, I think I gave it like a two. I think I gave it, which okay. seems a bit harsh now. But so uh, Josh gave it like a two or something when it came out. And for me, I'm looking at my five, five out of five stars. And I'm looking at Josh's two, and I'm like, "What the hell did he just watch? Like, I don't, I don't get this, you know." But as we just, as we've talked more about Endgame over time, you know, we've we've leveled out a little bit more. 
I feel like it's kind of crazy for me to say that's a perfect. I mean, that's insane to say it's a ten out. Of, it's a perfect movie, you know. So I would not give it a five out of five. It, it re, because I have somebody like Josh in my life where I can discuss this stuff with. I can get his objective, subjective opinions. I will no longer give Endgame a five out of five. I think that's silly, you know. And and the same goes could be for Josh in a different movie. Like he could give a score a low score and bring it up because I made some good points. Um, but I think you did bring Mortal Engines up from like a half to like a one and a half or something. I don't remember. I don't what know. I might have kept it the same. I really but, can't remember. Uh, but no, I mean that's really what it comes down to, guys. Long story short, uh, you know, with something like Halo, especially with like Infinite and stuff. I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be so easy to to say like you either love it or you hate it, you know, and not really want to like add more to it because like again, if you really really love it, why the hell do you want to entertain the thought of like the criticisms? It makes sense why you wouldn't. And conversely, if you're really having a bad experience and you feel really burned by it, like a lot of us did MCC night, why the hell would you want to acknowledge the the good things in there? Some there's a time and a place for that stuff, obviously, because sometimes it is harder than others. But it's important to have those conversations. The best thing, if I was to give advice, I would say the best thing you can do is if you have a friend that says that has some kind of hot take, empathetically say, "Okay, I can see where you're coming from. I really, really loved this, and here's why." But I totally understand because X, Y, Z, you know, like you got to kind of you got to kind of find a way to connect with that. And and especially with something like Halo, because it seems like nowadays with the drip feed we keep getting on content, you know, people react to this stuff like it's um, like it's almost like a gameplay reveal. You know what I mean? It has that much awareness and attention being brought to every little facet that people are already people have opinions on everything. People are pissed off that the regular shotgun isn't in the game. It's like. Okay, I mean, initially to me that seems like ridiculous because it's a new Halo. Let it be what it is. You haven't played it yet. However, let me understand more why. You know, so you know it, it's tough, but we got to be consciously aware of, of how we communicate that stuff, and also consciously aware of how we uh, that we listen with the intent to hear and not with the intent to reply. Well put. You know, I can another great example I can think of is that I see so much Snyder cut stuff. And on. Yeah, Matthew Salvatore, we almost there, baby. Woo! It's not even just math. It's not even just Matthew. I see a lot of Snyder stuff on Twitter, and other than 300, which I love 300, I've never really been a fan of Snyder. I've never really watched anything of his that I enjoyed. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Man of Steel or Batman vs Superman. Um, but rather than become one of those Snyder trolls that hates on it, shits on it, and says, "Oh, this." His cut's going to be just as bad as the original. Like, rather than do that, I instead step back and say, okay, from my experiences with Snyder stuff, I don't really personally find uh, much personally enjoyable with it. Mm -hmm. But I acknowledge that there's something there. There's something to Snyder's work because he has a big fan base. He has a following. He's, He's getting a cut of the movie uh, done years later that's going to be on HBO Max. Like, to, to, to say that there is no merit to why people like Snyder or that there's no quality there is ridiculous. I mean, if you're being objective, Snyder has – he has a vision. Maybe you don't like the vision, but he has a vision, and some people really resonate with that vision, and they, they like what comes out from it, and they, they really found uh, things they can connect with on it. So rather than me just go – you know, Snyder sucks, lol, you know, this will be bad. Instead, I go, you know, I've never really liked it that much, but I'm really glad people are getting this. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try to have an open mind. And even if I don't like it, 
there's a reason other people like it, and it's not it's not just black and white, you know. Yep. No, no, no. I agree with that completely. Okay. And Josh, you've come around to Batman vs Superman lately. You think it's a lot, much better movie than you did. The director's cut for sure. It's theatrical. I can't speak much to, but uh, the director's cut is whew, that is very good. And even then. Even then, I think I gave it a three point five, maybe. But uh, I love it like it's a five That's out of five, and I think score. it's I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's hugely. Uh, I, I think it's it's just got a different approach to it, you know. And that's a good example. The last thing I'll say is, you know, something like uh, like Endgame. You know, Brian Brian wouldn't say it's a five out of five anymore, ten out of ten necessarily. And a lot of that, me, I can't speak for Brian, but a lot of that maybe have to do with the fact that, you know, objectively, subjectively, you're looking at it. It's an all-encompassing It's a culmination, yeah. yeah. But objectively, you're not just looking at this as being the culmination, sort of like an, uh, a final act of this whole story, but you're also having to look at it as a core film in of itself, a beginning, meaning. It doesn't work very end. well as a single film. Yeah, and it doesn't. It has a lot of problems in that regard, but that's where the cool conversation comes from because then you can really dive into the scenes, the characters, and that's when it really gets fun rather than just, wasn't that awesome? You know? Yeah. So it. It, it was perfect. It was the worst. We're done. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Josh, here's what I'd like to do. We are going to we're going to go into two more topics, the Halo TV show and what Josh and I are looking forward to in games this year. Um, but then after that, we're just going to do a quick cold cut out of here. We, we're not going to do any like all the shout outs and stuff because it's gone long. It's late. And I want to I want to make sure people can just um, listen to the rest of this and, and not. Feel like no, definitely, and we, we love doing the patron shout out, guys. Um, we we don't we don't do it as much um, with in the Alex episodes because Alex is there, you know, when, with using his time to to come on and help us. But it's definitely something, um, you know, we're going to expect in the next it, episode. Yeah, plus we got eyeballs coming up. Um, Revenge of the Sith is next and stuff like that. So you guys will definitely get yeah. your shout outs in there. Um, Josh, did you have notes on the Halo TV? Yeah, show? the only thing I was going to say um, this this is kind of important is two things. I mean, one being that. Um, you know, it recently was announced that that's going to be moving to Paramount Plus, the streaming service, yeah. which is quite interesting because I do not, I could be wrong, but I do not think that Paramount Plus, at least now, is going to be available outside of the U.S. So the show yeah. does not come out until next year unless it gets delayed, but that's just kind of interesting. You would hope by next year it's going I to be I feel like spread. there's going to be some workaround for it. Mm-hmm. If not, people could always use a virtual private network to watch it. In their own country. Was it getting tough, though? You got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got stuff like ESPN Plus, you got HBO Max, and then you got Paramount Plus. I got a different perspective to add to that, Josh, because I am in the same camp most people are where it's like, hey, I don't want to pay for 18 streaming services. This is ridiculous. I don't want that. But, you know, some people are making a mountain out of a molehill with it because here's the truth. If you don't want to pay for another streaming service, you can just wait till Halo, the season's done. Mm Mm-hmm. Plop down your five to ten dollars, watch the whole thing, cancel your subscription. Some yes. people are saying they'd rather. Some people are saying they'd rather go buy it uh, as a disc or something or whatever, or digitally buy it. No, we can't think like that. We can't think like service. that. No, 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 no. Yeah, because it. It. I mean, look. I mean, I do. I actually agree with you, Brian, wholeheartedly on that. Because even though I do understand, like I just said, there's so many different streaming platforms now, and they'll have their different. Some of them have different options. Like Paramount Plus is going to have like I think six bucks at launch. Then you also have one without ads for like ten bucks or something. It's still cool because, look, growing up in the 90s, like most of us did, you remember what it was like to have commercials, and those suck. You know what it's like to get on the phone nowadays, guys, to watch a YouTube video before bed, and then you got to wait for that damn ad to skip it every five seconds, and, oh, look, now it's two ads. You know, that stuff sucks. So the fact that I can pay all you know, this different, you know, I mean, it sucks in one way, but 
I can pay for these different services that I want or don't want, and they offer things that I can just consume at my leisure rather than when a station is saying we're going to air this. Yeah. It's way more convenient than what cable was. So in that sense, I kind of don't mind having all these options. I mean, it it, it, it kind of sucks in a way that it's getting so spread out. You know, I remember back in the day just wanting everything to be on Netflix, but now it's... Yeah, like, in a perfect world, yeah. it's all on one platform. Yeah, exactly. You pay but, fee, but, you know, it's, it's awesome to have these different options and stuff. So, But the other thing just, I was going to yeah. say is that they offered a little bit of, of some, some kind of like a story nugget. They said, uh, and I quote, It delivers the visceral excitement of playing the game, along with a much deeper emotional experience around the Spartans, human beings who got their humanity chemically and genetically altered. David Evans, chief creative officer, CBS and cha- chairman and CEO, Showtime Network said about the series, this guy has got a big catalog of, of uh, job roles. The story is about reclaiming what makes them human. And therefore, is a very powerful story. Pretty cool. I mean, again, I'm not too man. much, but um, definitely makes it sound like there's a lot of care being put into this. And once again, um, we know people get always, always seem to get upset every time there's news about this, about the casting, um, about the story. Guys, perfect example of objectivity versus subjectivity. Uh, you might not like this subjectively, but like try to look at it as its own entity objectively, and through that, you'll probably enjoy yeah. the shit out of it subjectively. You See, really will. I feel like I feel like that's the thing. I feel like people. I feel like the general audience is not looking at this Halo. Well, they don't care. I don't want general they don't even, well, some people don't even general Halo fans. People, I guess you listen to my dad. He's not gonna know who Captain Keys is, and he shouldn't have to. The whole point of the show is being an entry point. It's its own well, thing. Well, some people are upset that it's not canon and stuff, but the way I look at it, like who cares, man? The, you got When I say when I say yeah. I'm excited for the Halo TV show, I feel like people misunderstand. I'm not sitting here counting the days of my calendar. I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not yeah, trying to. What's that? Yeah, you are. Okay, we're jumping up and down but before the show. It's not like it's kidding. not like I have you the level of excitement for the show it. that I do Halo Infinite. Yeah. It's not like some crazy level. When I say I'm excited, it's a very simple. Hey, we're getting more Halo through a through a, a TV show, a high quality TV show. It doesn't. I don't. I'm just excited we're getting it. You know what I mean? It's it's not so much. I feel like people are like, well, if you want me to be excited, you need to tell me. That it's canon. People definitely get a checklist with that kind of shit. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's I agree. Canon, and it takes place after Halo Three, and they got the a guy who looks just like Sergeant Johnson to play Sergeant Johnson, and they got a guy who looks just like Keys to play Keys, and they're going to use the exact aesthetic from the first game. Blah blah yeah, blah blah dude. blah. No, like just just wipe all Why of that out of your head. Can't we just be excited like, for these things yeah. for what they are? The fact that they get to happen in the it's, first it's place. What it is? Yeah. And see what it's it just is. A different medium. When I was a kid, I wanted to see. I didn't know what to expect from Space Jam. I was excited at all the merchandise and shit. Then I saw the movie and I was like, wow. I had no previous expectations to compare it to. I let it be what it was and stand on its own two feet for that reason. On the inverse, Mass Effect 1, I let that my expectations build sky high with that following the game for a couple years. And I played it and I was incredibly disappointed the first time because of my own expectations. So I, when I take it as it is, it's a good game. It's a very good game. So I think people care about canon too much. This, this stuff just shouldn't shouldn't matter. It's not real. I get that you want it to feel real, but you can you can divide it up. I I have Halo Legends. I ha- or I'm sorry. I have Star Wars. I do have Halo Legends, but I have Halo. I have Star Wars Legends, and then I have Star Wars Canon. And you know I can separate those two and still enjoy things the same. Yes, it's cool to feel like this specific thing actually happened, but it's it's still cool to to read about a story that didn't happen. You know, I don't need it to happen. I know it's not real. I want it to feel real, but I can still enjoy it without that. You know, and imagine, let imagine it be somebody watches 
Imagine somebody watches the show, they never played the game before. They watch the show and they fall in love with the show and then they start yeah, playing. Yeah, you got to remember. Hey, that's a great point. Is it going to be that's going to be a lot of people's entry point into Halo. They're going to say the show seems awesome. It's based on a game. I want to go try it out. You get the Monster Hunter movie. People's first experience with Monster Hunter is going to be that movie. With Resident Evil, people might not have ever played the games and their first experience is yep. through those movies. For better or worse, you know, you got to we we hold the mantle sort of, 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 you know, being a community and, and being fans of these things and, and shaping how we're perceived by people, you know, and we can really help welcome more people in. And I, to be honest, if someone tells me they never played a Halo game before, but they loved Captain Keys, if they end up saying, I love, I actually really enjoy the combat, uh, I really enjoy the Halo games, but I gotta be honest, I really enjoyed Captain Keys in the show more than what we got in the Captain Keys and Combat Evolved. That person shouldn't be shit on for that. That's awesome. If that helped bring them into the fold, badass. Yeah, We're well, better whole, for it for saying, having more fans. Saying Helia raising a human thing, people might find that really cool. You know, and, and the thing too is like, I just, people get so caught up in what they, like there's real people like, uh, well there's people that we know from 343 like Kiki Wolfkill and Frank O'Connor helping work on that. There's real producers, there's real actors, there's real writers, people who see this as a labor of love. They're there because they're fans of Halo. They're there because they want to create this great TV show. It's so like, I know that people, I know that everyone's used to the internet nowadays and how you have to just shut your brain off to the comments and stuff. But when they share something about the Halo show and a bunch of people just shit on it saying it's not what they wanted or it's not canon or whatever, it's so disrespectful to the people that are working hard on it. You know, like, first of all, you don't have to say anything at all. But if you have to say something, you could say it nice. You could be like, you know, I'll give the show a shot when it comes out, but I'm kind of, it's not what I was hoping, you know, but you don't have well, to be yeah, like, this I mean, show sucks ass. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there might be some stuff in the show for me personally that like, I really end up wishing that they can maybe have done in the game so that they do in the future or something like you kind of have the benefit of like different minds. You know, you have, you have people like Kiki going on set and everything and trying to help out, but you know, you kind of have the benefit too of this different format, this different um, storytelling experience. And I think a lot of good can come from that. And even if it turns out to be super bad, let's say, at least it was a thing that we got. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's cool to be excited for Halo, right? And and we've experienced times where we felt disappointed. I don't think there's been a single person in this community or the Halo community as a whole that said, I've never felt disappointed at any one point in time with some aspect of Halo. Yeah. I think we've all experienced it. So we should all know yeah. how to handle that dude we're gonna have halo infinite and we're gonna play that right into the new year and then in the first half of that year is a halo show yep like that's gonna be dope that's baller bro man that's baller totally i love it um before we go into our last segment josh we're just gonna do a couple little business shouts out shout outs patreon.com slash sacred icon podcast you can get in for as low as a dollar if you join for a dollar you immediately get a bunch of tracks to our sacred icon halo infinite metal album you get what podcast has that none Okay. I don't know any. I don't, I don't know. You get a whole freaking album for a buck. You could literally join for a buck, download all of our shit, and then cancel. I mean, it'd be better if you didn't, but you could. Please you don't. You can just do that. You can. It's not wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get several new uh, podcast episodes that are only posted on the Patreon. We do that monthly, I would say. Um, other things on there to check out. It's only a dollar. You get all that for a buck. We also have five and ten dollar tiers, but you can get in for just a buck. That's patreon.com. Yeah, sacred you get a shout podcast. out on the podcast too. Um, Did you, you mention want to send that? Us an email? 
What's up? Did you mention that you get a shout out on the podcast? No, I didn't. Yeah, you get a shout out on the podcast if you're just in for a dollar. And I'm telling you, if you're tuning into this for the first time, these our community can tell you it's fun to do it. It's fun to do. We're going to make you feel really appreciated. Yeah, it's really it's we, good. We have it's fun. great. Um, if you want to write in to our email, sacredicompodcast at gmail.com. The best place to uh, hit us up where we're most active is the Twitter. That's at Sacred Icon Pod. Josh is at Jovial Joshy. I'm at Brian's Bane. I think we covered it all, didn't we, Josh? I think we did. I think we did. I, I don't there's know. There's all, I feel like there's always something oh. we're missing. But Maybe, we're just uh, going by the seat of our pants like Brian go said to, at the beginning. Go to the, top, go to the top of our uh, Twitter page. There's a link to the uh, Discord there. Everyone's welcome. But anyways, Josh, before we close this out... What uh, games are you most excited for this year, other than Halo Infinite, obviously? Like, what are you most looking for? Oh, man. I feel like I don't have too, too many just yet because a lot of stuff is getting No, one you're going to say, right? Yeah. Written. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Uh, I thought you were going to say Mass Effect Trilogy. But... Oh, I am going to say that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that that would probably actually take the cake, but if I'm going in terms of new releases. No, I just overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Mass Effect Trilogy. Uh, really excited to see how uh, the controls are going to be improved and stuff, and how much Mass Effect One is going to benefit from the uh, some of the overhauls. It's I felt like it has really needed. Uh, for me, who came out initially kind of feeling disappointed the very first time I played it, this is a great chance for me to to revisit it and really come at it with a fresh set of eyes. Um, I'm extremely excited for that. I'm, I'm excited for people who, like Brian, um, may finally get to experience the Citadel DLC, um, which is some of the best, if not the best, DLC I've ever played in a video in a video game. Um, uh, yeah, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga for encompassing all nine films, having some downloadable content of characters already promised. I think that's going to be uh, a very rewarding time, a very rewarding experience. Uh, I've been playing the Lego Hobbit recently, and uh, I'm rekindling my love for the Lego games. Uh, I, I miss it. I, I missed it a lot. So I really look forward to unlocking all those characters and, and dicking around in the, some of those open zones. Uh, other than that, I cannot think of any off the top of my head. I feel like I'm blanking, but I don't know if... Uh, I feel like there's one or two out there. I'm just I'm completely... Well, I mean, there's probably going to be plenty more revealed as the year goes on. Yeah, there will be, but yet. yeah, but, but uh, my for head. me... I would say Harry Potter, me, but that's I'd... next year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, for me, I just I just got done beating uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Bowser's Fury was a cool add-on campaign. I just beat that. Nice. The next the next thing I think I'm buying is Mass Effect Trilogy. I don't think anything comes out before Mass Effect Trilogy that I want because I think Lego Skywalker Saga is after. I'm gonna check while we're uh, talking. So I'm just kind of curious to see what game. Mass Effect Trilogy, Lego Skywalker Saga, 21. and then the two biggest, the things I'm most excited for other than Halo Infinite. Diablo 2 Remaster and Skyward Sword HD. I've never actually got to complete Skyward Sword because I hate motion controls and they're putting in regular button controls, so that's a day one buy yeah. for me. And Diablo 2 Remaster, I mean, Diablo 2 was one of my most played games of my childhood. So Definitely. that's good. I'm going to get that on Switch. I'm going to play it on my Switch. No, dude, uh, we got you guys have really surprised me in a good way, though. Uh, there is so much love for Zelda in the community. I see that constantly in the Discord. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the most popular franchises yeah. for sure. Well, I'm just you guys. I, I the only time I ever played a Zelda game, I was a real little kid, and I went into a dungeon and it played ominous music, and I got so scared I shut it off. I've never revisited a Zelda game, not because I was burned by that experience, but I, you guys, I've never personally owned a Nintendo uh, console, and uh, I don't know what it is. I love casual games, but at the same time, there's never been any specific game for Nintendo that's been a killer app game where it's really pulled me into wanting to buy the console. So I've kind of missed out on all that stuff. 
But I really if would. If there's like ever to a play. day you decide to want, you want to try Zelda, I think Breath of the Wild's got to be the one you start with. Yeah. And that's not even my favorite. I just think that's the one that's got the best. He looks good. It definitely looks good. Uh, Mario vs. Raving Rabbids, I would definitely buy because it's like XCOM. But yeah, that's a easy. I've heard good things. One. Um, but you know what? I would also say uh, is Resident Evil Village. I'm very excited for that. There's a good chance I'll get that. Yeah. I, I feel like if if I'm trying to be like mature with money and stuff, that's one I don't have to have day one. But, you know, when the hype's building, it's hard not to. Man, uh, I'm ready to get beat up and nursed back to health by that one evil lady. Um, Freaking nine-foot-some-tall vampire yeah. woman. <laughs> uh, Horizon, I think, is going to come out this year, the Horizon sequel. So yep. I've got to play. You get that for sure. I've got to play the West. first one, which I own. I just haven't gotten to it. But um, Yeah, Erica liked the first one a lot. Oh, that's good. That's good. No, I definitely want to. I definitely want to try that out. Ooh, um, the new Final Fantasy VII DLC that just announced. I'm getting that day one, the Yuffie. If, yeah, I'll get that. I mean, I don't have a PS5, but if I did, I'd probably buy that um, just to get that. Well, you well, get the free yeah, upgrade. You'll get, so. you'll get the free upgrade, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's that, which is which is pretty cool. But, no, other than that, I think it's like you said, Brian. I think we're kind of waiting for Isn't there a new Pokemon Snap? Uh, Yeah, I think that sounds right. Are you going to get that at all? Are you not Probably as Probably not. Okay, I didn't the, know. What's weird is, like, there's so many things I liked as a kid. And some of the things I grew out of and some I didn't. I grew out of Pokemon. I'm just not interested anymore. But I, I was watching Dragon Ball. It's so weird. I had a phase so. of that back in 2016 when Pokemon Go was all a rage. And I ended up getting um, a 3DS for my birthday. I got like... Um, you still Al- have it? Yeah, I got Alpha Sapphire. And I think I got Gold. I can't remember. Um, but I, anyway, I played like a bit of each. And then I kind of fell off. And I, I haven't gone back. And I'm like, I really want to, but so I just haven't. When's the last time you turned your 3DS on? <laughs> It's, it's been a year. It's probably been a year. Is it the 3DS XL? Yes, I think it is. What color is it? Uh, mine is like a. It's got like a purple galaxy theme to it. Okay. So that's cool, man. Yeah, I love my 3DS, but only because it's got two Zelda games on uh, it that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Also, the Evil Dead video game, if it comes out this year, really stoked good. for. And yeah. Starfield, which I think we are for sure getting this year, but probably not until holiday. So. Uh, well, what what game being delayed till next year would disappoint you the most? Not. Obviously out of out of what's coming out this year, out of everything you're gonna plan on getting this year, which one will disappoint you the most? It gets mm-hmm. delayed, delayed. Okay, not counting Infinite because that's the easy answer. Uh, probably Starfield because I just miss Bethesda stuff. I really well, miss. Star- well, Starfield's not confirmed this year, is it? It's not, but I'm okay. If I'm going, if I'm gonna take your question literally, no, it's not confirmed. If I'm gonna go by what you're saying, uh, you know, I would probably say Lego Star Wars be- simply because like. I don't have. I'm not putting all my hopes and dreams into this game. I just really want to play a Lego game. You know, it's fun to break stuff up and build stuff and like collect all these characters and see the goofy humor. It's just such a casually fun time. I just I'm ready to play a casually fun game. And if they make me wait for such a casual experience, it's gonna be a little little frustrating because we've already been waiting. You know, you'll be like, wow, when 2022 and you get it, you'll be like, wow, I forgot well, about it's just, this game. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, guys. I mean, every game's got their different layers of development. You can look at a game like Mortal Kombat and think. This doesn't need as much time as like an open world RPG when actually it, it does because you have different facets and stuff. But, you know, to, I, I look at Lego and I'm like, come on, this probably, you know, doesn't take as much as like something like Halo Infinite or something like Horizon. You know, and I'm like, come on, can I get this game, please? So, but uh, I know I'm wrong on that, guys. I just want to play it. <laughs> I really want to Yeah, play oddly it. enough for me, it's a weird choice. The thing that would disappoint me the most is if they delayed Skyward Sword HD. And I don't think that's, that's possible because it's just a remake. But the reason it's so exciting for me is because Zelda is one of my favorite franchises, and I've yeah. played all the 3D Zeldas. Mm-hmm. 
except for Skyward Sword. I did play a little bit of Skyward Sword, but I absolutely hated using that Wii. I'm excited so for you to, to get that, man. I really am. It, just playing it with buttons uh, and it, up in HD on the Switch, that's going to be so cool. I mean, and I actually, I like Diablo 2 way more, but I mean, Aren't I you can getting play that this Diablo year? 2. What's that? Isn't that remastered coming out? Yeah, it's this year, but I still, I'm still more excited for Skyward Sword HD because it's basically a new, it's basically a new Zelda for me. Um, whereas Diablo 2, I could still play the original now. Um, but plus, plus the thing with Diablo 2 for me was back in the day, it was such an online experience. And now that I'm older, I'm just going to play the campaign. I'm not going to do the online. It's just, I don't blame you. I don't have time. Cause that, and that was a time sink. I spent all my life playing Diablo 2 online. Who has the time? Every time I've ever approached those kind of online games, I always thought like I was going to be playing that for years on it. Yeah. And I've just never, I've never been that person. Maybe it's because I didn't have the right people or something. I don't know, but I've just never been that person. But Well, the thing is, too, once you do that, you can't play all the other new games that come out. Yeah. The older I get, I'm like, man, I'm not married. Uh, I'm not in a relationship and I don't have kids and I already don't have enough time to play everything I want to play. So I can only imagine how little time you have when you have all those things. Um, so, yeah, it gets tougher and tougher. You know, not enough hours in the day, right, guys? But uh, the last thing is uh, I would really hope all those KOTOR rumors that seem to be all but confirmed, finally, I really hope Dude, that they come common. true. Even if even if they say, like, it's like Republic Commando and how Star Wars Episode 1 Racers come to consoles and sort of just an HD version with just achievements and trophies, uh, I would be fine if we get that with KOTOR. But I want... I don't need it to be KOTOR 3 because this stuff's not canon. I can't really see Disney necessarily saying... We're going to sink all this money into a game that's not canon because maybe people won't care as much. They're out of touch, okay? They're out of touch, but... You're out of touch. <laughs> you're out of touch. No, it's you're out of time. Oh, man, that's such a good song. I love me some whole notes. Uh, anyway, anyway... Gosh, I miss doing I miss doing songs for the podcast. I would do a Hall of Notes one. I know. Wait, you could go back to some more earlier stuff, man. Yeah. There's anyway, anyway, guys. Singing. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I, I really hope that's a thing because I feel like I'm. I'm gonna sound selfish here, but I've gotten to see people like Brian. Even though I were Halo podcast, I love Halo as well. Brian's favorite game is Halo Two. I've gotten to see that be remade. Uh, I've gotten to see my friend Xavier uh, get Final Fantasy Seven remade, um, and some of my other friends have gotten some of their other uh, favorite games remade, but. Uh, my favorite is KOTOR, and all I've ever seen is backwards compatible, or this is now on mobile, or this is on Steam. Uh, I just it doesn't get the same amount of love, even though it was it won like so many Game of the Year reward uh, awards and it's considered like the star, best Star Wars game of all time. So, uh, Josh, the rumor I don't know if you've been hearing this too, but the rumors I've been hearing from around the internet and Resetera and stuff is that there later this year will be a just a HD achievement. Kotor to release to systems, yeah. but there, there's also in development a how do you want to put it? It's basically a full new Kotor that's like the the original game, but with changes to match canon or whatever. Yeah, I've heard conflicting things on that, but it's more or less the same. Like I've heard the HD thing with achievements this year, which is awesome, and then I've heard the supposed ground up, like either an actual Kotor three finally or just. Uh, a a new game reimagined in the vein of KOTOR. And, uh, you know, either way, I'm excited. I don't... KOTOR 2 came out in 2004. Like, it's so many... It's almost been 20 years. I don't expect an actual KOTOR 3 at this point. But uh, I'll take... I'll just take a new Star Wars RPG. It's about time. It's long overdue. Well, Josh, we waited all day for the Infinite update to drop. It finally dropped late, and then we recorded two and a half hours. Yeah, well, hey, it was good to do this again. Uh, Brian and I have missed kind of having these kind of episodes and stuff like that, as much as it's fun to do all the other stuff, too. But it's just nice to have these kind of uh, little back-to-basic episodes, I guess. 
So yeah, yeah, totally. So hopefully next uh, the next Halo episode we should have Alex back. So yeah, that'll be fun. Continue that. We're gonna be working through the the announcement guys. We're we're figuring uh, we're um, we're working through the announcements era, the phase of that, and then we get into some of the campaign level discussions, and then we'll probably uh, close out with a Q and A where we can just you guys can ask Alex questions if you want or us about Halo, Halo Four, stuff like that. Um, as we say goodbye to Alex for now. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this one. It's that little. We wanted, you know, we missed the last Saturday, so we want to give you something a little thicker, a little juicier. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, you can inhale this entire Angus burger of an episode and not feel any that indigestion. So, (laughs) Josh is like, "Wow, that's a weird way to conclude this thing." But no, I don't mind. We love you guys. Feel free to uh, just write in. Let us know what you think. Discord on Twitter, guys. We have not had a five star review on our Apple Pod slash iTunes since October. Do it. Shout out to Protein Do Jugs. Do you can it. Say some, Do it. You can say something shitty about us. Just leave five stars. I'm telling you guys, if you, want, if you want attention, you want you want us to just say some goofy stuff about you in the best, most wholesome way, we're going to do it. You can do it with the dollar patron subscription. You could do it with an Apple Pod review. You can write into us at the email Brian mentioned. Anything. Even if you got some questions you want to ask us for the pod, hit us up in the Discord. Yeah, let us let us know what you guys thought of this uh, this infinite update. We'd love to hear what you guys have to th- say and just see uh, what, gauge your excitement on it. But uh, all right, guys, we we like to ramble, so we're gonna we go do. ahead and, and take us out of here. But uh, we love you guys. Yeah, we love you and guys. As always, keep it sacred. Boom. Peace, guys. <laughs>